Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spilling the Truth Wine Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the Phoenix Pizza Festival. The Phoenix Pizza Festival is coming up on November 16th, and it'll be at Hens Park in Phoenix, and it's followed up the next day by the Donut Festival. Please check them out. They have their most amazing website. It's phoenix.pizza. That's www.phoenix.pizza. We hope to see you all there. We'll be there ourselves. It's going to be a lot of fun. And after today's episode, we welcome David Taida, the founder and promoter for the Phoenix Pizza Festival. Uh, we paired a whole bunch of pizza with wines. We have a great conversation. We talk all about all Dave's previous festivals, what's going on in his life. We talk about bathroom attendance, classic video games. Oh, man, it was hilarious. This might be one of our funniest episodes we've ever recorded. We really hope you enjoy. Uh, you can find this episode on YouTube iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, a bunch of pirate sites. Please make sure you also give us a follow on one of those sites. And if you can, please subscribe on YouTube. Thank you very much. Enjoy the episode. Did you snap your finger at the computer like it was like a bad dog or something? Yes, I work? did. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, bad computer. This, this comes from years of playing with computers, and sometimes you just got to yell at them. You got to punish them. And you, is that what you? <laughs> you just got to show them who's boss. <laughs> totally. I got to spank them once in a while and spank the. Is that our new code word? Is now uh, computers? I'm just on the computer. If you're in a bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> leave me alone, God! I'm on the computer, <laughs> checking out the internet. Mm. Were you guys geeks at all, or am I the only big geek here? I mean, you're a video I, game geek. Yeah, I beat some kids up. I'll admit it. All right, I got beaten up. I'm a few sorry, times. dude. I'm sorry. I didn't beat happened. anybody up. I just verbally destroy people whenever I can <laughs> on video games. There's at least a lot of kids who have low self esteem because of my video gaming. I tell them some terrible things. So do you yell at like 14 year olds like on uh, the mic? Like, no, I don't as yell. Shooting them? I don't yell. I tell them that they, as a gamer, their parents would be so disappointed in their existence and would be ashamed to have had them because of how terrible they are. They probably should stop video gaming and living at the same exact time. <laughs> wow. Some people are just <laughs> pretty ter- harsh. Some people are just terrible people. Yeah. D- defending my high score on asteroids, I thought was a big deal, but apparently. Have you, don't really play, don't play me in Apex Legends. I will, I will lose my mind. <laughs> have you been to the Cobra Arcade Bar? I have. What do you think of it? I think it's a great idea. I think it is too. I wish the one problem I've had is there's times when I've been there and some of the games haven't been working. Oh, that's interesting. I think I mostly just go for the taco trucks outside. I don't know. Do they do game. regular taco trucks there? Yeah. I've only been there a couple times and I was kind of stuck inside the whole time. I love video game bars, but though some of those games with how old they are, you think they would break down and where are you going to get the parts for them? I'm pretty sure they have a full-time maintenance guy who's good you at what got they're it, doing. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's probably that complex of a game to rebuild a couple circuit boards, and that's about it. I mean, I've been to a couple pinball places, and those are really easy to fix up, which are fun. See, those right. get beaten up even worse, because when you're playing, hitting it. Well, you're hitting it, and then you're shaking it. You're yeah. put, trying to put it on tilt or keep... Right. I mean, People I put their drink on it, and it slides off and spills. So I bought a claw machine for Taco Fest a couple years ago, because the idea was to put a bunch of t-shirts in the claw machine, and people put like a buck in, try and win a t-shirt. It, of course, breaks like an hour into the festival. So I find this guy, we just call him Pinball Randy, and he's just on call at the festival, ready to fix the claw machine. And he can like fix it in a heartbeat, because like, he just knows how to fix claw machines, this guy. That's, that's, got a, that's a pretty specialized job, though. I mean, you got to think about, I mean, that's like, you know, having like being a master plumber or something like that. Right. Yeah, they're like the one specialty that people are really good at. 
you know, we were talking about the rooster bar earlier. Yeah. I love the fact that their t-shirt bar is like almost yeah, the old school vending machine, vending right. machine, almost like the old cigarette machines. Uh, so Jason, if you're listening and if you need a guy to fix that, I have Randy. Randy. Pinball Randy. Pinball Randy. He'll fix your vending it, it, machine. Is that actually his card? says so like Pinball Randy? I, think, I, I don't know if I ever got a card from the guy. I just found him through the channels. I noticed that like, you, I, you got, I, we got an AC guy. I tend to be the guy, guy that people call guy. like, I need somebody to fix my vending machine. Do you got a guy? Well, with you know, all the stuff you do with the festivals, you have probably a lot of guys. It's weird. That sounds weird. Do you right. think video game get video? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. A lot of guys. Do you think a video game like arcades and or bars like that are popular outside of America? Yes. Arcade bars. Well, arcade right. bars? Is not that what arcade, arcade bar, bars? Not necessarily. I don't know about arcade bars because arcading, like the, the old school put a quarter in, was just very big in America. I don't know how big it was outside of America. I know pinball was were big. Only about, big in America? Do you know that for a fact or... I like, know do they have video game bars in France or Italy, but I have, or they just drink like normal human beings. So <laughs> I, I was gonna say they're all adults there, so they probably just enjoy drinking. Yeah. So, meanwhile, we need to like do something. There was a right. <laughs> there was a bar that my brother took me to uh, called La Fin du Monde something something something, and it was a gaming bar that has three levels. The lower level was very like. Uh, Game of Thrones ass. They actually had the Game of Thrones thrown in it. Okay. The middle level was old school board games, and it kind of had this feel. I'll show you the pictures of it. Yeah. It had this feel of like a Sherlock Holmes kind of thing, and those like the walls were just these dark wood covered with games. And then the bathrooms. We we're just talking about bathrooms. They had two urinals in the men's room. There were also built-in duck hunt urinals, and it said. Pee at the little red square to start the game, and there's a little thing above you, so you start peeing, and then all of a sudden, ducks start shooting in the air on the screen in front of you, and you're going, whoop, 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 try to hit him. Dude, that sounds like the most fun you could ever you have. Until no that one duck goes really on the edge of the urinal, and right. you spray like, hit your neighbor. Like we were just talking about ice in men's urinals. I just, there's something so gratifying about <laughs> taking a piss in some ice, and I don't know why. But So playing duck hunt, yeah, I can't yeah, even little, imagine little, how little, gratifying you're, you're, that is. You're, you're, you just see these guys in the bathroom like shimmying and shaking, like trying to like play this <laughs> urinal game. And as soon as I, I was horrible the first time at it. And then I got out of the urinal and the first thing I could think of is I need to drink more beer because I want to play again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it. It's it good was for sales. It actually made me consume more because right. I wanted to go pee again. Whoever thought of that, it's way smarter than the arcade bar idea. I, I wonder if the women have a version though, or if their bathroom mm -hmm. is just boring as hell. I mean, their smell way better, is way fancier. They keep it clean usually. So I think that's the joy of a woman's bathroom. Right. They're just probably. luxuriating. They're in luxurious. There. <laughs> it's like a spa, basically. What's your uh, what's your opinion on the bathroom attendant? I that's outdated and weird. I think it's, it's weird. So weird. Some places still have them like Dude, it, the worst are like when you go to a club and there's like a guy in there and they've got, you know, all their stuff out. He's just handing you towels and you're like, dude, what? I, I'm, I'm not going to give you money. And, totally. But then I feel I mean, weird. They hoard the towels. Like they'll pull them all out of the towel. So machine. you have no choice. I have no take choice. Towel from the guy. Them. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. now you just paid a, a buck. It's so much worse because sometimes you just want to leave and not wash your hands and now you're being judged. Oh, God, it's terrible. Right. So, so no. two takes on it. One, I like it in a club for the reason of. You can get some mints, you can get some gum, spray a little cologne on. They they offer a service that is very useful when you're trying to go out and meet the yeah. opposite sex, per se. But there's a restaurant I know in Vegas that's off the strip that has a guy that sits in the bathroom, and it's just an Italian restaurant. Like, I'm sitting there eating pasta, I'm sitting there, you know, using the urinal, and then I walk up to the sink, and this guy has the stack of freaking towels, and he's, like, hoarding them. It's like, do I have to pay you a buck to get a freaking right. hand towel? It's like, right. 
I'll wipe it on my pants. Bye. Right. That's what so uh, what cologne you rocking in the uh, in the bathroom attendant? The blue bottle. <laughs> Fahrenheit four fifty one. Where? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> cool, cool water. I love the people that buy all like the swisher. Cool. <laughs> the aftershave. Yeah. You just said it, and I can smell it. You know. <laughs> It's like, that was incredible. Like, all of a sudden, I just had to sneeze. Oh, God. <laughs> See, maybe you're bad for the attendant, too, because then he's in there just dude, that dealing guy. with a whole bunch of crap the entire single time. And I'm like, I just want to say to the guy, dude, there's a lot of other jobs, I'm sure. There's a lot you're... of other jobs. But maybe he's I, I went to college with a guy that was a bathroom attendant. 80K and, and a year, probably. He the made guy's doing <laughs> so much money. Yeah. He'd show up at my house, and he'd pull this wad out like this. It's all ones. But he'd be like, yeah, I just made $450 tonight. And like, all cash. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of like, <laughs> like gross hands that are now touching that money that they're handing to you. Because I guarantee they're probably just like, oh, shit, here's money. Versus, you know, washing your hands and then giving them money. Right. I never right. washed my hands in these bathroom. We just talked about so. urinals for quite a bit there. <laughs> well, that's a big deal. I mean, we're, we're talking about what to do in different, you know, spaces around the country. And if you and if you were to open a restaurant, what would you do? If I had a video game bar, I'd have Duck Hunt in the bathroom. Oh, that's a fantastic idea. With ice on it, too. Maybe the ice cubes light up as you, like, go for the certain ice cubes. There's an idea for you. <laughs> I mean, that's when it comes to restaurants, bathrooms are something that... Some restaurateurs just completely forget about and how important it is. Yeah. You know, if it, like we were saying, if it smells weird, if it has the music's too loud or no music at all, or this and, might turn off some of the female listeners, but men's room urinals at Hillstone, Houston's, was the first place that I saw a cage underneath the urinal. So for splash, it doesn't end up on the ground. It's just, oh. you're like on this grating. So you're not like standing in splash. Interesting. All right, I can see that. I never. But somebody thinks about everything at Houston's, obviously. Yeah. So it was interesting that somebody thought about that. You think they would just make the urinals like have some type of material that when it hits the back, it doesn't come flying back out like rubber? That's got to get invented. Well, I've never figured out how to use a urinal in all my life because (laughs) you got to find that. Do you take your pants down and sit on it? I've never, (laughs) I've never figured out the right angle to not splash. Whether I'm going forward, down, left, right, in the hole, to the side, in the little... I mean, yeah, there's like a sweet spot. It's like, it's like pitching it. a baseball. You got to like find that corner. It's like... I've spent my whole life... But it's like catching that groove so that it gets in the hole, like just straight down yeah. into the... Like. Oh, that's so I've funny. thought about this for 40 years now. Meanwhile, there's a lot of listeners who just don't use urinals because they're too afraid to, so they go straight into the actual thing and shut the door. So, so let's talk about wine. Let's talk about wine. <laughs> That's a good introduction. I'm, I'm sorry That's for what first, I'm doing to your podcast. First you time guys. we've ever really, gone there. Really sorry. Oh, that was fun, man. That was, that, was, that was fantastic. No, this is perfect. So we have David on today talking about food festivals while we drink some Italian wine because he brought over pizza. And what better to go with pizza than Italian wine? You kind of are like, instead of a, what was the name, Pinball or... Pinball Randy. Pinball Randy, your food festival, Dave. Uh, thank you. In a way, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's what... Yeah. I'll own it. That's kind of how I've always even thought of you. I mean, you're the guy that throws the food festivals in town. Right. I mean, some people, people know, me as, they know me as the wine guy in town. Like you people, could be the bathroom attendant guy. That's not the title I want. <laughs> Nobody but wants it. But 80K a year cash. I'll yeah. take it. And look at those hours. Oof. I mean, you could hold down a full-time job outside of that job. And then you make a ton of money after. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it always ends in uh, bathroom talk. <laughs> I know. It's always going to do that. We're going to keep going back to this. Uh, I, I can uh, feel it. 
So for a while, I thought that I was just the taco guy instead of food festival guy because Taco Festival is the biggest of the food festivals that I did. And I'm not with Taco Fest anymore, as you know. And I went through this weird phase where I thought, well, God, if I'm not the taco guy... Who am I? Who are you? You're having an existential <laughs> am crisis. The, am I the pizza guy? Like, I don't know. Am I not a donut guy? I mean, I like donuts. But I, I don't know that I want to be the donut guy. Yeah. I was <laughs> you don't have the physique for the donut guy. <laughs> exactly. Right. I was definitely going to say the donut guy wears his calories a little bit more <laughs> than I do. I don't, so I was in New Mexico at a wine dinner once, and the guy sitting next to me told me that he is a professional donut taster. And that's his job. And right. I literally looked at him. I go, yeah, ha, 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 what, what do you really do? He goes, right. no, I taste donuts professionally around the world. And I get paid to do it. Huh. He's the Robert Parker of donuts. Excellent. And then he pulls a business card out. And no shit, that's what he does. Where and is this guy? He lives in New Mexico. And he literally just travels the world tasting donuts at independent shops. He's paid to give his feedback on donuts. You probably gotcha. want him for your festival. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'll find some, I'll get his card. <laughs> I, I'm, I think I'm friends with him on Facebook. I bet, you, info. I bet you I could pull him off my Facebook because I'm pretty sure I was like, I got to look this guy up and see what he truly does because right. I, I talk a lot. I try and convince people the world is flat and I try and convince people moon landings don't happen. I like to BS people just right. to see if right. I could convince somebody. And I literally was like, this guy is just trying to convince me that he's a professional donut taster. Right. And he wasn't fat. So... Right. So I wasn't a nerd, you know, like I beat kids up when I was a kid, when I was younger. Uh, but I've definitely become a food nerd, like one of these people. When I take a bite of something, I definitely overanalyze it, like I'm sure a lot of us do. It gets kind of annoying after a while. You're like, I just want to enjoy this slice of pizza, but instead I got to. Dis- Does it have flop? Does the cheese slice? How's it designed? How's the crust? What, is, it is it technically sauce too sweet? a toast? Or or not? Yeah, exactly. Right. Is it a sandwich? I don't know. Is yeah. everything a sandwich? I think that's the part of becoming a professional taster that just happens. Because as I got farther into the wine business, food started tasting very different to me. You know, after 10 years of tasting wines and analyzing wines, I taste something that has too much rosemary and my brain goes, that has too much rosemary. Or I taste something else and I go, oh, that, 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 that has dill and that has this herb. I can, great food tastes even better and bad food tastes even worse. Right. Because you've honed your palate. Oh, your palate right. is like a muscle. You know, I don't have a lot of muscles, but I know where my muscles lie and it's in my palate. <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> my, my muscles are in my palate. Uh, That's what I should say on your card. <laughs> Damien, so, professional wine taster, muscles in my palate. <laughs> Very muscular palate. We got to add this to our shirts for yeah. the shop because we're going to have a lot of fun I don't shirts. I need a six pack when my muscles are in my mouth. <laughs> This is going to be this kind of episode. <laughs> Drink a little uh, Lambrusco, and this is what happens to a bunch dude, of dudes. Let's talk about the Lambrusco in a can, because that is the perfect pizza festival wine right there. So, first of all, have you had many canned wines? Uh, only a couple. And here's what I like about this one, the size. A lot of them are a full, like, two glasses. So, like, in a festival scenario, it's like, I don't Walk really around. want two glasses, Yeah, you know? That was actually something I was reading some stuff about canned wines, trying to get some stats on canned wines. And the 250 milliliters is like the size that people are gravitating towards mm-hmm. because it is like that perfect glass. Right. My, my buddy uh, who sells this actually has this wine on the ferry that goes from Vashon Island over to Seattle. Um, oh, nice. And he tried to order it. He's like, hey, can I have the Frico Lambrusco? And they're like, the what? And he's like, the can over there. She goes, oh, the pig butt wine. Because <laughs> of the can. Right. He's got pig butt. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah. yeah, she goes, everyone loves the pig butt wine. Right. Dude, it's so good. But part of this is marketing, too, because one, 
the younger clientele is gravitating towards cans and alternate packaging. You can have just one or two of these cans. If you are a soccer mom and you want to bring something to a game to, you know, mm-hmm. while your kids are going out and getting dirty and messing around, you can't bring this. You can, but then you're, you're just, that mom. Then you're that mom. Versus right. you bring a four pack or was this a six pack individual? I, these are four packs. So how many ounces are in a, in a can of this? 250 milliliters. So what is that? I don't do. I don't know. I don't know freedom numbers. Again, I'm, I'm no nerd. Roughly, I beat kids up. It's it's eight. It's eight ounces. Eight ounces. So that's Ish. like a good. Yeah. That's a good glass of it's, wine. It's yeah, that's a healthy glass. More, yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's it's perfect too, because yeah, I mean, this is you know, you can you feel like Andre the Giant walking around with it, but you can drink this thing. Right. And Lambrusco's got this like effervescence. I was a little bit so, of carbonation. So do you know what the most famous Lambrusco ever was? I, don't, I do not. Rio Niti. <laughs> you now you know it. Rio Niti. Ah, nice. It's so nice. <laughs> These are the commercials. It's one of the best commercials. <laughs> totally. Okay, I'll believe but, you. <laughs> but Rio Niti became very popular because it was also a little more sweet. They served it and they promoted it to serve it on ice, and it became very popular in the 80s. Oh, I can imagine. And then it completely died off. And right. the category is a very tough category. In Italy, Lambruscos are done dry. It's a dry, sparkling red wine. So I love America. We just add sugar to everything and make it popular as hell. I read an article just recently about how there's Chianti producers that are trying to sweeten, sweeten. their Chiantis for the American market. And I'm like, don't fucking do it. Don't do it, I just please. had a friend in from Guadalajara, and she was saying that all of your food tastes sweet. Yeah, the in amount America. of sugar. That's like to her, hot. she was like, I, she felt bloated and like this whole thing because of all the sugar. Our milk. There's a lot of sugar in our milk. If you drink milk in Europe, it's way different. Or butter. Butter huh. in Europe is so different Dude, than it is here. Bread is sweet out here. Yeah. However, bread well, you buy has sugar in it. Was it Lauren Saria, I believe, was talking about the... Uh, oh, it was the unsalted bread, I think is what she was talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. They didn't have salt in Italy on their bread, which she thought was terrible. I don't know. It's hmm. things like I that. I see how that would ruin yeah. bread. But I mean, if you think <laughs> about like what America is known for, it's barbecue and sugar, probably, when it comes to food. Right. But, t- you know, if they serve these at a concert, they serve these at games, they serve, I mean, this would be so perfect in so many situations on the ferry coming across. Oh, my God, I want a glass of wine. You don't, I mean, technically, you don't, you could drink it right out of the can. Yeah. Now, what's nice about this is it is a little bit of effervescence, a little sparkling. And I'll tell you, out of everything we had with the pizza, I tried, you, you showed up with pizza today. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the pizza here in a minute. <laughs> but out of all of them, I tried the pizza with all three of these wines. I liked it the best with this. It was the best one. Yeah. yeah. And I was saying, I think it, it, cut, it cuts through the grease nice, you know, and so like you could have any type of pizza, like a loaded meat lover's pie with like sausage and bacon and the whole thing. And that would hold up. Also, a big problem with sparkling wines is if you don't drink the whole bottle, it's flat. Even if you put one of those pressurized stoppers on there, it doesn't hold up. Right. Selling Lambrusco for years, if I showed it to two accounts, the next day it was now a still yeah. red wine. It was no longer sparkling. Or even sometimes behind the bar, if you poured it for two people later on that night, it might be flat. So now you're serving a substandard product. Whereas a can, it's perfect. I mean, if so this classifies that, like, would you serve this... In a flute? Because it's sparkling? I, I, w- I wouldn't. You wouldn't. I don't like flutes at all. Yeah. Play the clarinet. But it, this, this would classify as a sparkling. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. I know. I, I, right. Totally. But even, even my champagne. catch that. When I drink champagne, I drink it out of a wine glass. I don't put it in a flute. But the reason I ask is Vino Verde, for instance, has like a similar effervescence to yeah. this, right? But not a sparkling wine. And that, to me, the next day, if I put it in the fridge, it's no good. It's flat. Yeah. It's flat. It loses all form of bubbles. Right. And they make fancy Prosecco stoppers, which, 
you know, they, they seal down and when you pop it, it makes a big loud noise. But when you pour the product, it's still often flat. Right. I'm intrigued by just like where, if in America, everywhere the cans were like being done, where would be the biggest places and best place for us? Festivals make sense because you don't want glass being thrown around by for any means. Baseball or, you know, sporting outings in general, like the Phoenix Rising one after they had their incident with a can. But then like a beach, always perfect because now you can start bringing these now. Cause, like my grandpa would always bring down bottles of wine, throw it in the cooler. But then like there was one time they said, no, you can't have glass on the beach. You got to get rid of it or pound that thing right there. But if you have all these cans, then Without, that's the perfect place for it. So because nobody's going to show up to like a fancy restaurant with a can kind of a thing. Well, in 2012, the United States sold less than two million dollars in canned wine. This past year, they it the number was seventy million in yeah. canned wine sales. <laughs> I mean, that opens up the door to right. so many glasses and so many things you can do with cans. It was up sixty nine percent over the year before. So every year they're more popular and, and I, they're great for the environment. It's it's oh it's <laughs> sure. e- e- easy recycling. True, they do re- they do recycle. You know, right. they're putting stuff in alternate packages. They're Just getting te- back to te- the tetra packs. Gotcha, right, which which yeah. are like um, juice boxes, like the old school juice boxes. Yeah, right. uh, or they have them almost like Capri Sun, but the Capri Sun looking package is plastic. Right. And whereas the Tetra packs are a, a biodegradable paper. Right. You know, but something like, I mean, if it's in a can or a bottle, it's pretty biodegradable. Not biodegradable, yeah, true. but yeah, pretty recyclable. You can do something with it. Uh, I love them. It's so easy. And if I had a bar, to be honest, I would rather have these behind the bar and then pour it for somebody because I know that they're getting a fresh product with every single glass. And I'm not wasting anything. Very little waste. Because Less waste. It's a one-time run. But you're also pouring two extra ounces. The amount of sh- shit you pour down the drain when you're serving in a wine bar because you, you taste the wine the next day and it's rubbish. We had a, a very high-end cab that we took home last week from a trade show. And we tried it the next day, and it was pure vinegar. It was bad. Like, it should not have been that bad. Right. It didn't even just, like, slightly get bad. It was, we took one sip and went no way and drained that, which is weird, because at least most will kind of linger for a day or two, or in some cases, like the uh, the Washington ones, we had made it three days, and they were fine. That one was just absolute So is that shit. something a winemaker can do? Like, is that, a, is that a fuck up on the winemaker's part to make a wine that goes bad so fast? Like, who's responsible for that? I don't even That's, know. It's, there's you a know? lot to play in there, whether it's the right amount of sulfites to kind of mm. help it last mm-hmm. a little bit, whether it's the right amount of skin time and there's enough tan in there. The, if there was zero acidity in it, it's going to be flabby anyways. But this just went, just turned south too quick. And not to say it, but also if you think about it, at a public tasting or say it's a four-hour it's a four-hour four tasting, so you got the bottle and you're constantly pouring it little sips at a time. So you're basically decanting it. Right. Over and over and over and over again. So that wine has been super infused with air. Right. And then you took it home and it sat there with all that air inside of it that, I mean, it, there, there could have been a lot of factors. Right. I know when I drive around with wine in my car, it opens up faster because it's constantly bouncing around. Right. You decanted this thing like 87 times, I saw. I, I decanted each one of them. I thought they were a little tight. Okay. Um, with my own palate, for me, when a wine is tight, it's like a closed fist. I can, I know there's fruit there, I know there's flavor there, right? But it was just restrained. It was hiding behind a wall, and I wanted to break that wall down. I typically don't like to decant my wines. I like foreplay in my wines. <laughs> I like, I like a, I don't, I don't want to go from A to D without a little B and C in the middle, right? And that's when I drink wines. I enjoy that. I'd like to see how they open up, how they progress, how, what kind of personality it has. Do you hyper decant? I do a little do cowboy, cowboy decant. decant. <laughs> 
You watching Succession? No. You know that show on uh, it's on HBO. No. The guy who I was, know. I just... the guy who is Cameron in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh yeah. He yeah. plays like one of the kids in this really rich family, like a media family, and he's like blending. He's put his wine in a blender. Totally. <laughs> like, I've seen it happen. You hyper decant? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know that's what it's called, but yeah. So we call cowboy decanting is when I just stick my thumb in it and I just give it a shake. And we've done that on the show before. Way too nervous to do something like shaky that. Shaky shake, yeah. Give it a little shaky shake and it opens up really well. I mean, we've done it for a couple different people on the show. It works, huh? Oh, yeah. All you're doing is adding air into the bottle. Because they have those fancy devices like a Venturi where you pour it through and it's got like little holes in the side and it sucks air in or a decanter or there's one where it's a... It's uh, like a pen a, you put in. A, and like a fish stone. Oh, right. Yeah. Like the stone from a fish tank with like a pump on top of it. You put it in there and squeeze it and it adds a little bunch of bubbles. There's a, a million bunch of gimmicky there, devices yeah. out there. All you need is a blender. Really, all you need is your thumb. Time. You could really put your wine in a blender, and that would totally. Yeah. And try, try it one it. time. Next time you do it, open up a nice bottle, then pull out your second bottle and be like, "All right, throwing it in there." We, huh. we were recording with somebody on the show, and we took, uh, we poured a glass of the wine, and then I stuck my thumb in it, and I gave it a shaky shake, and then I poured a second glass side by side, and we tasted them, and they taste like two separate wines. Completely. Yeah. Uh, I, next week I'm doing a blind tasting. With all Mexican beers. Because I've never... Like, what Mexican beer do you like the best? What makes a beer Mexican? Well, like any... Like, Does it have to be from Mexico? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like a Corona, Tecate, okay. like any of those. I have no idea which one I actually like. Because it's like I'm in the a mood for a Corona, or I'm in a mood for a Negra Modelo. Tecate Which like. one is my favorite? So I'm going to sit down, I, bought a, I have every bottle, and just blind taste test, and just, which one do I like the taste of? We had one recently, it was a 750, and it was like, it was made from a guy who lived in Champagne, learned to make Champagne, came back to Mexico and made it, and uh, I can't remember the name of it, I'll find a picture of it. Dude, it was, a, it was absolutely fantastic beer, but it was like this much beer and this much foam in it by the time, and then it took forever to settle back down. Huh. It was fantastic. I imagine just like most things, the stuff that gets imported into America is not going to be quality product. No, but I'm still get. just curious, which, do I really like Corona? You know, like if I sat down and in a blind tasting, yeah. would I, what would I think of Corona? Because like those particular beers, you're so impacted by brand. Now, are you, you know? are you going to have somebody pour it in a glass in the back room and then put them in front of you? Are they going to be wrapped in plastic or wrapped in uh, foils? Or how are you going to do this? Because I could... No, Corona, I, I can clear. cheat. And my, my brain will cheat with wines. When I blind taste wines, if it comes out and it's a white wine and it's in a Chardonnay-looking bottle, I'm instantly going to... My brain is going to go, it's Chardonnay. If, some, right. if, if you look at it, you see the neck as you're pouring it, you're going to be like, oh, that's Corona. Oh, right. that's Negro Modelo. Like that short little stubby bottle, you right. kind of know what they are. All of them go into a pint glass with tape on the bottom with the name of the beer. Okay. I'll close my eyes, somebody will oh. reshuffle. It's that simple. And the reason why I also asked about what makes a Mexican beer, I wasn't trying to be dumb. I know, I know. There's, there's a brewery up the street that has a fantastic Mexican oh, lager. Oh, sure. And it's a, Dude. They're, they're, it's called their Senor Gallo. Yes, that is, it is, that is the best. It is the it's best so Mexican lager I've ever had. Yeah. It's made here in... I'd be intrigued to it's see It's made what, in Taco Row. That's what right. call it's like <laughs> an English, English pub beer. What do they call it? English strong bitter then ESBs. Again, th this neighborhood also is more Mexican than parts of Mexico. So <laughs> This neighborhood, yeah, a little bit. But yeah, I mean, like, I mean, when I was the last time you were at a brewery in Mexico? Like, I, I've honestly never seen a brewery. Now, granted, I've only been to a few places, mostly being tourist areas, but right. I, like, the breweries down there, are they doing, you know, lagers, pails? Are they doing an IPA in Mexico? Like, because they're probably not growing a lot of hops in Mexico. So what styles of beers are they making down there? Right. I think it's, I, I would guess it's exactly what we're drinking. Just light Like beers. the Victorias, the Modellos. 
of the world. You I know? wonder though, because Victoria's Mexican? I thought yeah. it was Canadian. No. Isn't it? I thought it was I thought Victoria was Canadian. Literally, because there's a town called Victoria right across from Vancouver. Pretty sure it's Mexican beer. All right. I, I could be wrong. We'll look it up later. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm, Please excuse us for well, five well, minutes well, while we Google. Well, ha! It, well, fuck you. Example, <laughs> people think of Italy, they think of Peroni, or they think of Germany, they think of certain types of beers, but the breweries there make a lot of different styles. I'm right. sure that if you're at a brewery in Mexico City, they're going to have some crazy beers, some really fun stuff. We just see the, the beach beers. Good point. Yeah, you the know. hotel beers. Just right. like... Yeah. Right, the mini bar beers. The yeah. Coronitas. Well, uh, <laughs> Japanese beers. You know, there was a, a lot of people think of stuff like Asahi. But mm-hmm. Asahi has... Kirin. But Asahi, Asahi makes a black, and it's fucking delicious. It's huh. called Asahi Black, and only a couple bars in town used to have it. And I used to go to those bars just because they had Asahi right. Black. <laughs> and it was like a porter that they made. Right. You don't, like, do I like the Buddha beer? I don't know. I think I just like it because it's in the Buddha the bottle. Buddha bottle. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why I like So, like, I'd love to try it. Not in the Buddha bottle and decide if I like it. That's a good point. Yeah, because then know? you see the bottle and you automatically go, you know, what? I'm going to like that because I know it already. Yeah. That's interesting. I never really thought about that. Uh, but- I'm that way with tasting wines. You tell me what I'm tasting. I'll taste it immediately, but I wouldn't be able to tell you. That's wh- the thing about wine is subjective. That's why I'm intrigued to see, like, okay, so we're talking about the pizza fest i would like to be blind tasted on pizzas because i feel like if i knew mm-hmm. the name of the pizzeria it was coming from i'd immediately be like well i know i'm gonna like this because i know that pizza brand or something like that versus if you just kind of like like is this a is the pizza festival going to be trucks or is it just like they're setting up a tent bringing in an oven and they're making it on the spot all how's, of the above how's, okay so, so some people put a delivery car in rotation so the pizza that I brought tonight, like it's a New York slice that travels well. So somebody can just cook 10 or 12 pizzas at a time in the restaurant, send a car on a 30 minute rotation, just delivering pizzas. Okay. Right. And they'll sell those. Some people have wood fired ovens. Some people are food trucks. Some people are there in the neighborhood and they can just almost walk them over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a little mix. Because we had the one, what was the one from Flagstaff we just had? Pizza, they, oh, pizza Coletta. Coletta. They, they brought down it's, the wood <laughs> oven or the brick oven, basically. Same thing right. with the one in front of Rent. They brought in their little. Uh, pizza Coletta brought his oven down here. He's got a for, mobile. He has a mobile one now. For what? So uh, so he did a uh, wine <laughs> event with Jacks and Y Three Winery at uh, Phoenix Wine up on Shea and oh, the One Hundred One. About that. Yeah. So Caleb Caleb was down here with a couple of his like buddies, and they banged out ninety nine pizzas that night in like three hours. And their little it wasn't wood fire. I think it was gas fired, but it was the was dome. It? it was still the dome. Yeah. It was the because you know he's all about the Italian. Like, yeah, yeah. The real dome. So he had a little mobile version. Dude, I got to hit that guy up. And that math plays perfect because at Pizza Fest, most people who have a mobile wood-fired oven, it's a six-hour event, do 250 pizzas in that's six crazy. hours. So that's three, what'd you say, 100 pizzas he did in 99, three hours. He, he did 99, yeah. I think, in three hours? Was yeah, because so yeah, it came in and said, I that got is, 99 pizzas exactly. Yeah. Almost hit that 100 one. What, uh, how many people are, or excuse me, how many pizza companies are going to be at the Pizza Fest? I usually end up with about 20. Okay. Give or take. Doing one, two, three pizzas, five pizzas. Yeah, usually three. So I ask them to sell at least one slice, price two to four dollars. But most people kind of stick in that range anyway. So they'll do a slice of cheese for two to three and like a loaded slice for four. Okay. That sort of thing. They'll sell whole pizzas, the whole as well. And so the number of vendors that I have determines my attendance. It's pretty easy to sell tickets to a pizza festival because when you put the words pizza and festival together, people are like, I'm in. Yeah. I'm going. And where, and where are you doing this one at? This Hands year? Park, downtown Phoenix. Nice. Yeah. 
That'd be fun. And then obviously, like you'll have like boo or, uh, booze down there as well. Yeah, little right. canned wines maybe. <laughs> I think we're working with Arizona Wilderness to nice. do beer. Yeah, and cool. uh, yeah, still talking about the wine, but definitely canned wine, most likely. Uh, I just said definitely, most likely. I recognize that. I mean, it most likely <laughs> definitely travels most, well. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's full no. festival, you know. So, like, so when is it? Uh, November sixteenth. So Saturday. So just one day. Yeah. Because yeah, some, some of your other festivals were multiple days, right? Yeah, Taco Fest grew into two days because there was a demand for it. So it got huge, though, too. I mean, yeah, you had 100-plus vendors out there, Close to 40,000 people would go to that event. That's so crazy. crazy. Uh, about 60 taco vendors who would collectively sell about 150,000 tacos over two days. Ouch. That's insane. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> so nuts. I, cause I went to those a few years and I remember like at some point, sometime always having that food coma right in the middle. It'd be like, I don't know how many tacos I ate, but it was definitely almost a whole animal at this right. point. <laughs> right. So how many, nice to, yeah, so do you have all your vendors already lined up for the festival or are you still locking some up? And... Yeah. So the deadline to sign up is October 1st and everybody will sign up September 31st. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. I've got like four vendors signed up right now. Sounds about and right. It's always at this point where I'm like, Oh my God, is anybody going to sign up? But the deadline is not till October 1st. Same thing with tickets. Taco Fest. We would sell like 600 tickets online before the event, and I'd lose sleep the night before going like, oh my God, nobody's coming to Taco Fest this year. And then there's 39,000 people at the gate. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. I'm exaggerating. It's, but, it's, still, but it's funny. That's how yeah. it works. When we do the Arizona Wine Growers Association stuff, they only sell so many tickets for like what was festival at the farm. Now it's the Grand or some of these other things. Right. Everybody panics. Where are they all at? And people yeah. just... Nobody bothers to RSVP or We're, whatever, and they just show up. We are such a last-minute town. Yes. This town just totally... We wake up and decide what we're going to do that Google, what's going day. on today? Oh, festival. Cool. All right, let's go. That's this town. That's, yeah. that's me. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I see, I see more invites to Facebook that I hit. I don't even do anything, and I just go. Usually, I'll literally text you. I'm like, hey, what are you doing tonight at 4 o'clock? Oh, let's go to this. Yeah, right. let's go do this thing. Things are starting to sell out, though, which is getting tricky for it's people like us who don't plan but that's good you know because there's been things that i've wanted to go to like just dinners like wine pairing dinners and whatnot and then yeah. it's like no tickets available it's like shit i wanted to go to that so how, do, how does this festival work with the booze because of course my brain instantly goes to the booze so do they are they stuck behind a little area that they have to go and drink the booze no, at, or can they want come on i know i have to ask this because <laughs> that whole thing off <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's it's called a special event liquor license. So I partner with a group called Downtown Phoenix Inc. and they they hold my liquor license for the for the weekend. And then the whole event is fenced, and then you can get a drink and walk around. So I just That's did a great. French fry festival in the spring. Nice. And Gracie's Tax Bar sponsored our bar, so we had all Gracie's servers out there. They brought the vibe and like you know slung all of our drinks. They were just like such a great partner because they it was like an indie music festival along with the French fry thing. So Gracie's, have you guys been to Gracie's Tax Bar? I haven't. Oh my God, it's like this great dive bar on 7th Avenue. I That's why. It is incredible. <laughs> Live on the other side of the valley. <laughs> I feel like that'd be almost like a stoner festival too, like the French fry one. We did it on 420 because it was on a Saturday. Literally. Get fried? 420, that's the name of the festival. Was it really? It was called Fried, French Fried, fried Music Festival. Awesome. So he used the hashtag Get Fried. So the thing was 420 was on a Saturday and I was thinking, perfect. what's, what's the greatest munchie? Like if you're stoned, what, what could you just eat? They have tater tots too. Does that, does, are tater was, tots technically a French fry? They, they fall in the category. In my opinion. I think I, they do. <laughs> our, that's tater, a our tater tots French fries. Let's, <laughs> let's call Lauren Saria. Yeah. She'll put it on the board. Yeah, Lauren, that's another <laughs> one. Can I, can I use a lifeline? Our <laughs> can fries. I, can I phone a friend? Tots. <laughs> No, our tots, our tots fries. Our tots fries. Read just, I'd like to phone a friend. Yeah, that's interesting. French fries are definitely not tots, but tots could be fries. Because waffle fries are just 
25 fries smashed <laughs> together. <laughs> so it's think, not one fry, right, it's so, fries. Uh, Ingo's, you it, know Ingo's, the yeah. burger shop, yeah. uh, 40th and Camelback? They do smashed potatoes and they call, I think they call them fries. Smash fries? That doesn't, it's not a fry. Yeah, it has to be a form of something. Yeah, yeah. That's mashed potatoes that are slightly <laughs> crispy, right? What about like dino fries? What are dino fries? So, like french fries that look like dinosaurs. Isn't that a chicken nugget, basically? Well, they have chicken nuggets, too, that are shaped like nugget. that. It's a nugget? Yeah. Well, it's like uh, steak, there's steak fries, I, I, I had to cook those. Fries. I had to cook those with my friend's daughter recently. He's like, we're cooking food, and he's like, can you throw these in the oven? I'm like, what, what are they? He's like, they're dino fries. Well, you just did the fry field. What was the best french fries? Uh, the best french fry. Doesn't even have to be brand. It was like, was it like certain waffle it's tri- fries? It's tricky, to, it's tricky to name. There's so many. Different Me being fries. in the business, it's tough to like name. Did you actually have like a best uh, blind but, awards or like no I know the taco festival? You had. I don't awards. do competitions at these. There's not a lot of bells and whistles because I want to. This is gonna sound so cliche when I say this. I want to focus on the customer experience at these festivals. <laughs> <laughs> taco festival was all about the bells and whistles, and a lot of times we would lose sight of like how somebody's experience was from the moment they got on property, right? Yeah. And at these events, they're a little smaller. They're 5,000 people. So I just want to focus on like making their time the best it can be because I can do that at 5,000 people. At 20,000 people, it gets tricky, you know? Well, plus with 20,000 people, now you're catering to the masses versus like a small group of people. Exactly. You know, we do it at like the Arizona Wine Festivals when you have thousand people you can sit there and talk and engage with the people but then all of a sudden you start creeping up in the thousands now you're just pouring wine for everybody that comes to the table you no longer have time to talk you have no longer to enjoy you're just oh here drink go 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 and then they just hand out a million awards so like in a certain wine festival they give gold silver and like runner-up it's not one gold it's not one silver it's like 86 gold got handed out and 123 <laughs> silver got. So if you say, Oh, I want gold at this specific festival. Well, cool. You and 87 other people did too. Like there's no participation trophies. They're, yeah. they're participation trophies, just a little bit bigger than the other. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's really what it comes down to. Uh, so Merkin vineyards, do you know? Do you know yeah. That? Yeah. Uh, they did bolognese fries. So oh. they were potato discs with bolognese in a Chinese takeout container served with chopsticks. Are those really that good? was pretty stonery. Like if, <laughs> but are those is fries? That, is that a fry or just like a mini pie? No, yeah, it's up for debate. Yeah, it's it's. There's too many weird categories. Like a French fry, everybody can think of one hand, one finger, dip it around. I just want like a crinkle a, cut and some ketchup and just curly fries. That's my fries. Yeah, it's funny when you have a curly fry and you have like the one that's in there and it's it's this big, but if you stretch it out, it'd be like a French fry right. this long. Right. And somebody might just serve a great sauce, so maybe they're winning because of their sauce if you did it, not because of the it's actual French fry. fry. I remember yeah. I had, was at a meatball competition once, and I didn't sauce my balls, and I was, <laughs> and I didn't win because people were upset because I didn't sauce my balls. Hashtag sauce your balls. <laughs> right. People were upset, but I made them Italian style, like the real like seared, and I wanted it was a meatball competition, it's not Damien's a, dry balls, not <laughs> not not a sauce competition. Well, there's nothing better than sweaty balls. <laughs> You know, or saucy balls. Saucy balls. I learned that, yeah, people like saucy balls. Like well, in the yeah, game of the judges, you just dropped your balls. But you could you could have a mediocre ball and put a good sauce on it, and now everybody's going nuts over it. Just like if you made a... <laughs> if you had a French fry that was just mediocre, but you had a great sauce. Right. Um, I don't know. There's you're, a lot of guys a... with that problem, Damien. They have mediocre <laughs> fries and bad sauce. Come on. You're twisting this all around. This is on so me. fun. I'm coming by every week for this. <laughs> 
No, I get it though. Like my my oh god, I'm gonna say it. My grandma would have balls that sometimes <laughs> there would be no sauce to it, but it was a combination of certain styles of meats and certain vegetables that would be in it with a lot of um like seasoning basically. Yeah. And then if you wanted to, there'd be marinara on the side and you can just sauce dip your, your balls. Dip, dip your balls. Dip your balls, yeah. But it was there are some better. Then you get like my lovely aunt who makes a very, very bland, basic ball. And then you have to coat it in sauce. You're the British, oh, the, Brit- the British side of your family. I really hope my family doesn't listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> so I, I, I want to go. I had a question about the pizzas because somebody like Caleb, who does thin crust, full size pizzas, if he comes to the pizza festival, is he just going to do a small version? Do people do that, or because you can't really sell slices of his? Because why not? I guess you could just make a big. Because I think of slices, I think of this. No, because like. Like take like a Bianco style, which is like Pomo, humble pie, just that right. Neapolitan style pizza, right? That's basically a 12 inch pie that is generally cut into six slices. So they'll sell the, that small slice for two bucks. And then they're sort of making, they, the vendor is making the same amount that they would sell in a restaurant. So like they'd sell that pizza for 12 bucks in a restaurant. Now they've just sold six slices and they've told six people about the restaurant while covering their cost. What about people like uh, Lou Malinati's or Lou Malinati's? They, no, they, that's, they, that's not a pizza. I'm are they selling? Yeah, seriously. Do you have to? Yeah, are, I, are you doing a casserole festival listen, too? It's, it's casserole. Listen, it's not. I, listen, I deep heard this episode not, and I cannot comment. <laughs> <laughs> He's pleading the fifth. Lou Malinati's has signed up for the festival. One of his three vendors that have yeah. signed up. Thanks, thanks for the. It literal... doesn't even breaking pizza. He's breaking casserole. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I don't Great. know if they're doing deep dish. I hope you have or, a lifeguard in case somebody drowns in that I, thing when they pass out in it. <laughs> It's tricky with deep dish. Yeah, because you I, need four hours to cook it. It's I, a casserole. And a spoon. <laughs> a spoon to eat it. <laughs> we, we love that pizza. I understand now. everything. Seriously, everything that makes good food. I'd love their dish. Listen to me. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm from Chicago. I was going to ask. I wanted to ask you from because you say I, pie. I ate this pizza my whole life. But I agree with you guys. It's <laughs> yeah, casserole. I... I it's, <laughs> I love it so though. I, mean, I, I really want to know. Do you say because my family from Brooklyn they say pizza? Chicago Joe says it. My buddy says it. You say it. They say pie. And is it because Lou Malnati's is a literal fucking pie? <laughs> yeah. Or well, just right, deep right, dish in right. general. It's, it's tomato sauce pie. Tomato it's, sauce pie. God, it's a delicious. I will pie. say the one thing they do that I love is their wheel of sausage that they do on their pies. Because oh right, you get sausage in every bite. Every bite, you don't have just sausage pieces thrown on. Oh, like they just wrap it. No, it's it's a wheel of sausage (laughs) dropped 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 the middle of the pie covered with sauce. It's a patty as big as the pizza. Oh, it's a it's a wheel. (laughs) So it's as if I'm just I'm I'm blown away. It's amazing. I love it. It's because every bite you get the sausage. I've always said I want to get that sausage, but put it in lasagna. That basically makes it a burger then. (laughs) <laughs> it's a burger casserole <laughs> yeah right so at the pizza festival Luminati's will be doing burgers <laughs> uh, I love the fact that so much Chicago stuff is out here now between you know you had 
I always call the Portillos because Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> the Mexican version the of Mexican. it. <laughs> but Portillos. <laughs> no, I was corrected. When the first time I said, let's go to Portillos, my buddy who's from Chicago was like, kick the shit out of you. What's wrong with you? He's yeah. a buddy of mine from grade school. <laughs> I got beat up by people like you for saying Portillos. Yeah, so Portillos. But if you said that in Chicago, you'd get shot. Oh, God, okay. probably. That's just, it's a religion of food. The hot dogs. And then followed up with, uh, like, they did the maple and ash for the high end. And then Lou Malnati's is, what, two, three restaurants at? Or two, three pizza joints? What do we call it? Pizza joint? Restaurant? I'd call that a pizza joint. Pizza joint. Uh, do you have, uh, have you ever had Famous Rays be part of your pizza festival? No, I've never even heard of Famous Rays. Famous Rays from New York. They're, they, have oh, a lo- they have a location gotcha. out here. Like, what? Rays has a location out here. And our good friend is actually the owner of it. He's an, he's an Armenian dude. I hate oh, Mimi? Mimi. Mimi. Yeah, it's Mimi's incredible. got great pies. I'm going to have to listen to this podcast when we're done because there's so much that I got to follow up on. We'll, we'll, I got a to-do list. We'll set you up with Mimi. He'd probably George, love to George be part Frazier of it. George would probably do like a Demos, St. Louis pizza, hot chicken which is, which is technically right. just a cheese crisp, basically. No, but, but Mimi's is real New York style pizzas, the big slices, and it's Where done, is it? I don't know. In Arizona. <laughs> that way. <laughs> North-ish. He so just shows. He shows up with pies. No, he brings them over to the house. Yeah. Got he, it. He comes yeah. over here to watch the fights with us a lot. Oh, is Rosati's is Chicago too, isn't it? Or not really? It's just Chicago style pizza. They say. Yeah. So that is technically the pizza that I grew up with most in my house. Isn't it like thin Which crust is, squares? Thin crust, yeah, cut in squares. Oh yeah, they used to do that at. Uh, do you remember not not Coach House? What was the thing by Coach House? Sugar Shack, not the strip club, but the other place, like the actual pizza joint. They had that thin. Thin slice, right. cut squares, and everything. Yeah. God, that was good. I love squares because those tiny little triangle corner pieces. Oh, best piece. We would yeah. cut people in our family to get to those, like, you know, like, ma, back off. Because like, it's almost like a cracker at that point, but because you, you, you can grab it. The middle pieces are always, like, kind of, like, soggy. Or yeah. Yeah. There's no endo. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about, there's that Chicago bar that's up on up near Highland. Yeah, uh, Half, Half Moon, Moon, Windy City Sports Grill. So they did it last year. They just... They're small operations, so they're going to try and do it this year. There are so their many deep dish is bomb. My buddy swears by their cheesecake. I guess they get it flown yeah, in from yeah, Chicago. Eli's. Yeah, they get really nice cheesecake. Jo- jo- Joe goes nuts. I mean, he's a crazy Chicago guy. Phoenix is like a little mini Chicago. It is. All the people who moved out here got tired of the snow. We're like, well, that's it. Time for sunshine. Right. They, get, they get their cubs for at least a month a year. Yep. You know, there's a lot of people from Chicago out here. Yeah, I went to it's a true. Coyotes game, and it, it, I walked in, and it was all red. Assuming it was a sellout, nope, Blackhawks. All red. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why the Cubs games were, for years, going to the Diamondbacks stadium. That, it was literally a home game for the Cubs. The, the crowd would be chanting, let's go, Cubs, and you hear eight people go, suck. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was literally, it was a home game for the Cubs out here. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's just... Fantastic. I'm just like, I don't go to enough pizza places because the ones by us are Kraft 64, mm-hmm. Grazia. It's good pie. It's good pie. You know, like, too. really, it's a lot of brick oven stuff, basically. I don't know what Kraft right. 64 Grimaldi's. is. That's a good, Grimaldi's. It's a good I pizza. Grimaldi's. Right? You know, like, yeah. no other pizza that has that flavor. Do you know that the, Grimaldi's manages to unique. get, right? You know? It's something about the yeah. dough. Like, the dough is so important in pizza that some people just don't understand. There's nothing better than like a really good dough. It's, it's the, like the same. The water is a lot of it. Is right. It? Has a lot to do with water. Do you know the pe- the pizza sloth? Yes, he's doing it. He's a good dude. Yeah, I like him he's a, lot. a great guy. He's outside of he's, uh, he's wandering fi- donkey all the time. He's the fish guy. Wandering donkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, at that bar, the wandering it's tortoise. A, wander- oh, did I say wandering <laughs> donkey? That's so funny. Well, there is a wandering. It's a taco shop up in uh, Cave Creek. Isn't the it wandering, wandering donkey? Maybe. Oh, yeah. shit. 
So wait, right, so what was the day again for the the, the November sixteenth? November sixteenth, Saturday time, afternoon, from eleven to five. And what where can people find to get tickets for Phoenix dot pizza? Phoenix dot pizza. No dot com. Wow, I saw that. How'd you get a dot pizza? (laughs) You know what? This day we could probably get anything. Yeah, right. So do you have to pay to get in also? Yeah, it's 10 bucks to get in. And then all the vendors offer slices, two to four bucks. And then beers, beer and wine is six, seven, eight bucks, somewhere in there. Got to have four drinks day, for it, yeah. You know? I don't believe in the model that's like 80 bucks and then all you can eat. Yeah. You just see people shoveling food in their mouth. They're not paying attention to where they're eating from. They'll take one bite throw it in the trash and move on. Whereas if somebody's just spending that two bucks. So they're two dollars. It's not. They're, they're, yeah. yeah, they're thinking about where they're going and who they're getting it from. That's one thing we we in the Arizona Wine Grows is every time we deal with certain festivals and they're like, well, it's $25 and you get five tickets. It's like, okay, well, why don't you just make them pay X amount for the glass, like $5 to get your little cool custom glass. And then all the money they spend, you take a percentage from the people. Because then people will decide what they drink versus hitting up the first vendor and dropping all five tags off the first guy in the door. Right. And going from there. Versus if I have to actually have a few dollars in my pocket, I will choose the ones that I really, really want to go to because I haven't had it. Like if I walked up and Craft 64 was there, I'm like, well, I have that all the time. Now I got to go try a new one. But if it was free, like, cool, I know that I'm going to have that. Right. It's such a great marketing tool for the restaurants to be able to do that because, like you said, you don't get a chance to try a lot of these pizza places, but you'd probably go out of your way to try a place or go to a place if you know it's damn good. And pizza Cleta. I'll go. And next time I'm up in Flagstaff, I'm going there because that was right. amazing that they were down here. That's what I always try to tell vendors is like, there's no other, it's going to sound like I'm selling now, but there's no other marketing spend you can do where you can sell your product and get right in front of the person that is like, qualified your customer they bought tickets to a pizza festival they're there for so if you're pizza. selling if you're in the pizza business that's your guy that's the person that wants to know about you you know so, so many people get asked to do charity events or come out and do this this mm-hmm. and this and they're like mm-hmm. well i will expose you to a thousand people but you're not actually you're actually losing money because you're not selling the product or they're they might cut right. you a little check back at the end but i always hated that term i will expose you to this with you you're actually set they're able to sell product right so even if they show up and they might sell enough to, you know, pay their rent for the month or keep the electricity. Yeah, French on. Fry Fest. There was a there was a vendor there when she told me at the end of the festival what she made. She made more than I did. That's <laughs> the owner of the festival. Do some of our <laughs> wine festivals? We have made more at one festival than we did in an entire weekend of sales at some of these festivals. Right. And it's one thing that I do love are ones like yours where they're inexpensive to get in and then, you know, two, $4 thing. Like there's some festivals where they'll give you every ticket you sell, they'll give you 10, 20 cents. You're like, mm-hmm. dude, I'm not even, I'm actually losing money on the bottle right, by the sale. Right. But then there's other ones that give you a dollar per ticket. And you're like, oh my God, I just want to pour tastings the whole time. And you walk away with 5,000 tickets. That's more than like the weekend or a Saturday in some right. cases. So that's, it's so gratifying. I was kind of joking. And you'll, and you'll keep coming back. I was kind of joking that uh, let's talk about that when we're done. That they made more money than I did, but it's like cool that the event is supporting local business. And now you have a thing that's always going to be there. Totally, and they're going to talk about it constantly. They're going to talk about what you did. They're going to talk about and next year they'll be talking to their other pizza friends, going, "Man, you have to do this. This is what I did." And I think pizza people talk. Then it becomes, I imagine, two days, or all of a sudden it blows. No, I don't know. So the the funny thing is, is like a uh, what I've learned is like a person who makes tacos is genetically different than a person who makes pizza, who's genetically different than a French fry person. A pizza vendor will have a five thousand dollar day, and I'll 
ask them, hey, should I add a day two to this? And they're like, go fuck yourself. I'm not doing this again. I'm so tired. Whereas a taco guy is like, bring it. Let's do a seven-day yeah, taco fest. Real easy fest. to make tacos. Tacos are prepped awesome. already. Yeah. You're, a lot of times you're just, it's, you're, yeah. you're just filling up tortillas, spraying them with some sauce, and out yeah. the door where the, ta- or the pizza guy is like, yeah, so there's a there's a food truck. This, this was a go out to get a little racist. Good. Over here. <laughs> there's well, there's a food truck called Buddies. They do they do deep dish pizza too. And last year, <laughs> they're not doing the festival this year because they were so they were, just had their ass handed to them. They were so busy last year. And I walked in at the end of the event. Wow, you could just freeze and, it and bring and, it. And, <laughs> right. and, and it looked like uh, it looked like this guy had like slaughtered people in his truck. He was just like covered, covered. in like tomato sauce, his apron. There's like cheese everywhere. <laughs> like it was like a mess. He's still recovering He's, from it. Right. So he emailed saying like, I, dude, I don't think I can do your festival. I'm just, I'm 50. I'm not cut out for it anymore. It's like PTSD <laughs> of pizza, like PTPSD. Post-traumatic pizza festival disorder. Battle. Those battle scars are brutal. Right. But yeah, man, I mean, trying to bang out, you know, 200 pizzas in a matter of a few hours, man, that's rough. Dude, remember, they came inside, uh, the pizza collector people walked in, sat down, and they looked like they just got shell-shocked because they uh-huh. were just sitting there like, I, I, we're done, we need a drink right now while we count this out. <laughs> yeah, and they don't throw it in the air, they're they're like this, and they're kind of yeah, pressing it out it. and yeah. needing it, but man, you do that. I mean, I've, I've made my own dough and rolled it out, and like, the next day, you're like, man, my abs hurt, my forearms hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love it more and more. I do... I don't not support Arizona Food Week, but I don't really do it. But if all these festivals keep popping up, which is more and more, and the weather out here is perfect for it pretty much for like eight months of the year, I'll go to pretty much every single one because now I don't go to Cave Creek for any of those things, but all of a sudden they just came down. Cool. I'm going to try that. And then maybe right. all of a sudden I go, wow, that was dish. I would never have had a, what's the, the, the taco thing? We had Gallo Blanco. It's seriously one of the best tacos I ever had. Ran them at Devoured. Oh yeah, that was so they good at Devoured. Devoured. Yeah, and, yeah. Now, and now I go there whenever I'm down on the that, side. That of mole yeah. sauce they had. The there. mole was incredible. But that's the one like you you said at the beginning is you pay a, a good premium and that's all you can eat. I mean, you can just run around. And eat. You're not. You don't have tickets for you're some not, of these other. Well, for, at Devoured. For Devoured. It, Devoured is an anomaly, I think. Like a lot it's of a festivals. Very interesting one. Yeah. It's it's interesting in that like I it's it's obviously successful. Everybody buys in, and there's a lot of re- respect behind the event. Yeah. I buy tickets to Devoured. I don't ask for a friends and family or like I. I believe in that cause. They they do right by a lot of chefs. I f- I feel like I think it got better when they took it out of the the, the plaza where 1, everybody was jammed into that little thing, and you just ran into everybody. Totally. And it, that was a shit now, show. Now, now that spread. It was a yes. lot better. I've seen five iterations of that. When it first started, the wine was separate than the food. The food would be outside in the courtyard. The wine would be inside. So people would eat a whole bunch of food, and they'd go inside, and they'd, they'd pound a bunch of drinks, and they'd come back out, and you couldn't bring the liquor outside. When they allowed the liquor to be outside, then it became a madhouse, and the lines were so long, you couldn't walk through the walkways. Right. You'd it, run into people. That was the one thing that we talked about this year was Bad About Devour. was that only that one spot where it was the one line of food and the one line of drinks, and everybody hit that first, and you just had that like wall of people. But once you got through that, it was perfect. It was like five foods for every five wine vendors like in every little section. That's how we bonded. It was like Devoured. Right. The one where you sat out there when I was with Vias, and I was pouring Chianti Classicos, telling us oh, stories. Those the days. Good days. I remember you bought a bunch of wine, and then... I really, I kind of knew you, but I didn't really. And the next year you came in and same thing. You came to the table and you started talking to me about, you're like, I bought those wines. I had one. Buying them again. Yeah. And I was like, I need to know this guy. This guy's a cool guy. So funny. And that's really how I got to know you. 
Thanks. It wasn't through. And the, now you're doing festivals. Right, right. <laughs> right. It's right. kind but of funny. It, it was, well, you were doing the taco festival back yeah, then. Yeah, I've been, I've been doing festivals for 10 years, and I think that event is a little older. And it's, it might be 10 years old. That's kind that of how, how did you get but into it? I was going to say, that's a weird conversation to sit around a couple of buddies like, I'm hey, man, let's do a festival. Right. Needed some cash. My uh, <laughs> my bathroom attendant gig was up, and I just like, <laughs> needed some. <laughs> Those late night bathroom gigs, man. Yeah, exactly. But I couldn't, feel like couldn't live the bathroom lifestyle anymore. <laughs> I feel like you had to put a ton of money into that just to throw the festival. Well, it's kind of yeah. A, fe- a festival's business model. This is madness. Is essentially go three thousand percent in debt and then just hope. Yeah, just <laughs> hope and pray. Totally. Yeah, I've hope seen. I've now out. seen. I think we have like ten. Not including like one major vendor who does six or seven a year, but for wine festivals, there's like maybe like 10 in the city, and then there's like 50 across the entire state. And I think this year they added three or four more. There's like the Sedona Wine Festivals this weekend. There was a Flagstaff the weekend before. And every single time, people are like, what? I didn't even know about it because they didn't promote it. And they're always asking for everything, and they're spending so much money. Right. We work with one guy who's on his third year, and this will be the first year he thinks he might break even on it. How, how funny. We're drinking out of wine and chili festival glasses. <laughs> oh, yeah. 20, 25 festival, years. Festival glasses are usually pretty nice, though. This is these a are, nice these glass. Are, these are Riedel's, and yeah. these are for the 25th anniversary ones. But Santa Fe Wine and Chili Festival is also the premier wine and food festival in the United States. I like it better than Aspen Food and Wine. I mean, it is top-notch. I mean, they take over the whole city. If you right. see the wineries that are involved, there's master sommeliers that fly in from around the world to be part of it and teach seminars. <laughs> it's a South by Southwest of wine it's, and food. It's, it's like six days. Oh, damn. Do it's, you guys think that Nirvana will grow into that? That's, wow, that was a good silence right there. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, yes, they have the backing of people like Bo McMillan mm-hmm. and the Food Network and some of these celebrity chefs. This town also, sometimes it's difficult to get people to truly buy into things. It is. Also, go to the places. And you have to make it affordable. And some of their stuff is rather pricey, and some of their dinners and events are rather pricey. And the thing about wine and chili festivals, they keep most of the events at an affordable price. Right. So the average person can go to it, spend a full week in Santa Fe, go to two seminars, one luncheon, a dinner, the VIP tasting, the trade tasting, and then the grand tasting at the end. And you can wrap it up in different packages. You can do a package where maybe you can go to one seminar, one tasting, and then the grand tasting in one budget. And then you can just enjoy the city at the other time where Nirvana, the layout's a little weird still, I think. Right. Because it's, it's a bunch of very high-end Seems dinners. like it's all about Nirvana. Whereas what you're describing at? here, it's more about place. It's about the whole city Get and to the know festival. the place. Where's Nirvana. It's at sanctuary. sanctuary. Sanctuary? Yeah. Okay. Well, our big festival, let's not kid ourselves, is Barrett Jackson's, and that's cars. True. That's the biggest one that we have. And then the horse, the Arabian horse shows right after right. us. We have a horse one. Right. I think and, the uh, food one is, I love it because there's more and more. And obviously, the more people who come here, especially from food driven states like, you know, Illinois, California, and, and like Oregon and Washington coming in, Colorado, everybody wants better food. But like everything, it's so spread out. If you put like a festival out in Thunderbird, or not even Thunderbird, uh, Sun City, nobody's going to go there. Right. Versus, you know, most of these, where have you done most of your festivals? In downtown Phoenix? Because I know the town. Down, yeah, downtown and then uh, Salt River Fields. Salt River Fields feels like the right spot. It's, it's a great freeway, location. It's huge. Totally. Everybody can get there. But right. even then, you have one exit getting to it. But like I said, with Santa yeah. Fe Wine and Chili, there's 50 restaurants involved with it, not just 
sanctuary, not yeah, just one. Right. It's not like, oh, this celebrity chef is coming to my restaurant to cook. So you can't go to three events at one restaurant. Yeah, there's a different chef yeah. there, but you're still at the same restaurant, the same location. Right. Where, you know, you can go to Coyote Cafe one day, you get to go to this restaurant the next day and that restaurant. And each one, there's a winemaker sponsoring that lunch and pairing it. And then the next day you can go to that restaurant again, but it's a completely different winery that's sponsoring it and something right. completely different. So, and then there's seminars at each of these different locations. So you're like, all right, Tuesday, I'm going to do a Barolo seminar. Wednesday, we're doing lunch at Coyote Cafe with Damien, the wine guy, doing Vias wines. On Thursday, there's the VIP big grand tasting, and then we're going to take a night off and go, you know, hike the city and see the church. I mean, there's a number of things going on. And then the, the grand tasting is very much like a devour in a way. It's a table of food and a winery, table of food, winery, table of food, winery, and all the people that bring their food are bringing their best stuff. They're, yeah. do, they're, they're trying to outdo each other. So that's one of the things that I meant when I said devoured is an anomaly, is everybody buys into that event. Yes. And truly, every chef brings their A-game. And they bring a lot of things that they don't normally serve at the restaurant, which gives devoured this air of limited time only offering. So you got to go because some, you know, like... George Frazier's like introducing his chicken. The restaurant's yeah, not open got yet. me into you know? have the hot chicken, right? Stuff so good. That was so good. And now they're doing a hot chicken what cook off or festival? Just or got it my is. tickets. Is it, so it is a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's man. in like a couple weeks. I cannot wait for the amount of toilet paper I'm going to use after that one. <laughs> <laughs> that food is so good. I mean, the, George is killing it at that the, place too. The bathroom ref- references on this always. episode always turns nice back work. to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. You always have something we got to go back to. Always, it's it's a, we we always it's, talk about a boomerang conversation. This is more like a toilet paper conversation. Oh, oh, yeah, a lot of time it's just us dropping the word moist constantly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. It's so funny. It's uh, one of our trigger words. We, all right, I want to get right. back to this as I choke on talk, this wine. You want to talk about some wine for a little bit? Because yeah, I mean, let's, we, let's we, go to that and we'll talk about some more food festivals. We, we we brought these wines specifically because they're wines that pair with pizza. You know, when we were discussing this, we discussed this actually on another show. I believe we were with maybe Sean, where we were discussing your festivals and what wines pair with French fries, what yeah, wines pair with the donuts, mm. and we were bouncing ideas off each other and things that might work. Yeah, and in that episode, I feel like, is that the one where I heard you say champagne and fried stuff? Well, yeah, champagne and fries is a great combination. Yeah. But your dessert wine has to be sweeter than the dessert itself. I learned that. From oh, you it, guys. Was, it was Oscar that we were talking about. It was no. worth, I think. Is no, that, dude, is that it was, true? It was or did you guys make he that did up? the fried festival, I thought. <laughs> Whatever. Well, it, you, you. Dude, I, yeah, there's been too many to know. But yeah, we did do it. But yes, there is, there's truth in it's. It's got to be more sweet or more what? Acidic or something like that? The, aci- the acidity. But here's my, my first rule of wine pairing don't ever believe me. <laughs> right. Because. Whatever you like. Cilantro. You know, some people it tastes great and some people it tastes horrible. Some people might taste sweet on sweet and think, oh my God, this is amazing. Somebody else might say sweet on sweet and it's coying and it's too much and I I can't do it. You know, and I think pizza with red wines and certain types of red wines can be very universal, but I think pairing stuff with sweet is, could be very challenging. And it was the Oscar episode because we were talking about Tokai and barbecue sauce and we're talking about different things what would pair with donuts and how to do it? And we were talking about maybe big Zivendels as the, mm. as the jelly. We were talking about the petite yes. Syrah and the donuts. Yeah, and, and you know, it'd be kind of like, okay, do a jammy wine with the donuts because that could be like the jelly inside of a donut or well, something. Well, you right. treat all these pizzas differently. If you just get a margarita pizza, so you have a really high acid with like some cheese on it. But then if you get a uh, all Pest, meat lover pizza. Pesto and chicken pizza or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and barbecue pizza. Yeah. Without a doubt. Which, does that technically make it a pizza if you put barbecue sauce instead of a tomato sauce? So what's your take on pineapple on pizza? 
God, this this, Th- this is a big debate. This, this yeah, this is actually split families up. All right, so uh, I had never had it because I just refused to eat it until the first year of pizza festival. I was so hungry, I hadn't eaten anything, and Z Pizza had delivered. You guys might beat me up when I say this. It was a wheat crust Hawaiian pizza, so ham and pineapple. And I ate it, and it was amazing. My man. It was kind of amazing. Okay, that's right, Damien. I love pineapple me. is fantastic. On so, no, I love pineapple. So pizza. What? Oh, no. I thought you were anti-pineapple. No, because no, no. it's it's especially when you have the, oh, the, the ham on there because it's sweet and it's salty. It's got to have the ham. Sweet and it's, salty. Pineapple, yeah. Are you pineapple? No, I'm pineapple ham? by itself, man. I'm a, wow, just pineapple that bitch out. No, I haven't. I haven't had it in a long time, but I went through a phase of about five or six years late in college days where that's all I got was pineapple and ham pizzas or pineapple and sauce. I mean, pineapple and like ham pizzas. You used to get them from Gumby's. <laughs> that's a real name of a place. <laughs> you used to get Gumby's. the yeah. You used to get like the thirty inch pizza for like twelve bucks, and it would feed all of us. Oh my right. god, there's a place in San Diego that's got like a. It's the size of this pizza. It's half this table size pizza. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. <laughs> I wonder how many people are not going to come to your the festival now that they find out you like pineapple on pizza. Right, I know. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have said this. <laughs> Wait until after. This, I don't blame them. I mean, listen, it, if somebody's got that kind of dedication to their hatred of pineapple pizza, God bless them. I watched somebody put you know? sriracha on their noodles instead of sauce one time, so everybody's got their own weird quirks. <laughs> quirks. Quirk? Quirks. All right. Quirks. That's a weird word to say. Almost <laughs> as weird as moist. <laughs> so when it comes to pizza, pizza is from Southern Italy. So I like to always, a key rule of thumb when it comes to Italian food and cuisine and wine pairings, pick the wines from that region when you're having food that's oh, from that region. God, that's so, so if sp- you're having spaghetti and red sauce, you want to have more Tuscan stuff. This is why... If you're from the north and you're having stuff with like a lot of heavy olive oils and a lot of uh, uh, olives or like something like chingale, wild boar. Wild boar dishes are very famous when you're up in Piedmont. That's going to be your Barolos and your Nebbiolos. You're going to have and sausages. Your, your horse bolognese is stuff that's up around uh, Verona and Trentino. <laughs> Keyword fucking horse. love horse bolognese. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. There's a, dude, is there anybody in town that serves that? I'm always looking for a good bowl of horse bolognese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Who God. is it? That's just so I delicious. Mean, <laughs> Oh my God. That was so funny. That was so specific, here. too. <laughs> Not just bolognese. Horse <laughs> bolognese. But there's, a, there's towns in Italy that that's what they serve. If you just get their bolognese, it's going to be horse. For real. Not Are you kidding? Food. No, I'm 100% serious. Yeah, no. It, you think I was kidding, but no, it's actually yeah. very... It's just funny that he said Are they cannibals, it. too? It, like, do they eat people? It's, well, it's the Northeast. It's very, Italians, they do a lot of weird shit. Yeah, yeah, right. So pizza is famous from typically the toe of the boot, southern okay. Italy. Yeah. So Calabria, Campania, those wines work perfect with pizza so when i think pizza i want stuff from the south i want stuff from tuscany down so sangiovese based wines or when you get down stuff like from sicily you get down stuff from calabria campagna the alianico alianico and pizza is fantastic big ass bold tannic wine with pizza no, not not the Alianico de Volture, the alianico like the one that uh Teradora makes oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the okay. companion yeah, ones yeah, yeah. which tend to be a little more fruit driven yeah works perfectly with it but now we're talking what if you start changing that and you start doing like all the meats from like northeast italy and then putting that onto a pizza do you do valpocella well mm. not amarone well valpocella and amarone comes from the area where they make horse bolognese yeah so you can do northern wines with 
pizza from you, the you south. You can, but it kind of based pr- on topping. A, a lot of times, for me, well, pizza's from the south, so I think southern wines. That's why so where Tommy can, Bahama was pineapple north, pizzas, <laughs> right? P- pizzas aren't served a lot in the north. In in the north, they have different dishes. Like when you're actually up around uh, Trentino and Verona, it's German influence. You're getting a lot of like spetzel. You know, no pretzel. Serious, like right. schnitzel. In in the town of Trentino, uh, Italian is their third language. It's not their first language. It's everyone's blonde hair and blue eyed up there because it's all the Austrian and German influence. Huh. Where in the south, you get a lot of the influence from Africa, from the islands. That's why people from the south tend to have a little bit darker skin tones. Um, their language is also a little different in the south than it is from the north. So and that's why like northwest is more French driven in style because it used to be actually be part of France at one point. So it's very common rule with the cheeses. If you're having cheeses from certain regions, drink the wines from those regions, and they're going to match up perfectly. Right. You know, Parm- you know, Parmesan Reggiano is actually a town in Italy. You know, drink the wines from that town; they're going to work perfect. So, Prosciutto di Parma, the town of Parma, is where prosciutto comes from. So, drink the wines of Parma. So, but God, prosciutto on pizza is so good. <sighs> a little. It. That's. It's funny what became common things like prosciutto, arugula. And what, like olive oil for a pizza, or then like, you know, you get a meat lovers with pretty much every single sauce on it. All these right. weird, di- I mean, Grazzi's did that for me. They have 20 pizzas from 20 different areas, and one of them looks like a salad just on bread. <laughs> yeah, when uh, topping, I'm not down with arugula. Well, that's I never arug- liked it. Uh, well, yeah. aru- aru- arugula, I'm not a fan of it. I'm with you. Arugula, is it's weird. like salad on pizza, but, just yeah. I'm not into it. Arugula and prosciutto go together on pizza, it's the bitter and the saltiness, and that's a very common like I get the theory behind but it, it's, but it's I'm a just very not com- down with it. Yeah, it's a very yeah. common pizza in Italy is arugula and prosciutto. Another one with prosciutto is prosciutto and melon. Prosciutto and melon is actually a common thing. I that like they have. prosciutto and melon, but okay, on a pizza, I guess it's a watermelon pizza. So, so, so it's a northern Italian thing. Okay. So they actually will serve almost like a... a you said a, no pizzas in the north. No, there's pizzas in the north, but it's just not your traditional... Like, like the margarita. prosciutto is actually a horse and water. Not your tra- <laughs> yeah, it's your, it's your, it's your sa- saucy horse uh, <laughs> bolognese's. <laughs> Two bolognese's, please. <laughs> Can I get the bullet? Can I get extra horse, please? <laughs> <laughs> Nay. Nay. Oh, the cuts. We're out. And then, like, can I get like a top sirloin, but you right, know, horse, right. different horse cuts? Uh, it's it's you. <laughs> you can't actually serve it that way. It has to be cut down. That's actually a good cowboy bar name. Horse cuts. Horse cuts. Yeah, I'm about that. <laughs> so, how many how many Sicilian wines have you had in your life? Many, a lot. The funny thing about wine, I drink it almost every day, but I have this mental block where I can't rem- remember things about it. I don't know what that is. Whereas like agave spirits, for instance, something clicks in my mind and I can remember almost everything that I've learned. But for wine, it's like it doesn't... It's funny. I think stick. I have issues with certain French wines. People talk about the French crews and Montrachets and Corton Charlemagne's and sometimes it doesn't stick in my brain. I don't know. What, yeah, what is that? But there's, yeah. there's thousands of varietals in Italy and I know a lot of them. I know a lot about them. And for some reason, that's just something that stuck to me. I don't... Right. That's the same thing. I'm with the on the wine. I like the mezcal things. I've been getting into mezcals a lot, and now like I learn, especially from uh, Valentina and Nona, like the different styles of right. agave spirits. Whether it's Satol, Bacanora, tequila, mezcal. We did a pachuga mezcal, and it's a whole like, world. It's a whole world. It's the same thing like with whiskey. You know, you have like a bourbon or a scotch. It's all like 
little different things here, but it's such a fun thing to drink. I like, I prefer the mezcal. I like the smokiness of it. I'm, I'm with you. hundred yeah. percent. That's like when I drink scotch, I like the Islay stuff cause it's smokier. Totally. And Give me a good Ardbeg and like, I'm, Ardbe- I'm all I'm, about Ardbeg and Lafroy. Those are my two favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even need to smoke a cigar. It's nope. there in my glass. I like that. I could put my glass across the room and everybody knows what I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. You two are bonding right now over PD yeah. scotch. I did. The second, uh, we were talking about mezcal stuff earlier and, and whatever. It was just like, excellent. I can't wait to try all these different ones because uh, right. Valentina had a, like 20 different mezcals and I tried to get my dad to try some and some friends. They prefer tequila. They really like tequila. And my difference to me is I don't know the difference of the tequilas. I know like, you know, what gold is and Reposado and Añejo and all that stuff, which gold and Añejo. Same. Anyways, but the second I had a mezcal, I was like, that's mezcal. And I really like that. And it's not the shit I had in Rocky Point with the little worm at the bottom. It was actually really totally. good. Mezcal, By the way, I ate a worm one time. Terrible, terrible, Mezcal terrible just bet. works so great in cocktails. It's such a, a great, something like, almost like a paint, you know? And it's, <laughs> no, but I'm saying it's, it's whatever, shut it's up. It's delicious paint. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I know what you yeah, mean. It's I like adding it, yeah. gasoline to a cocktail. <laughs> well, it's, like having, loves. it's like having horse instead of beef. So, right. Some... Some uh, liquors, <laughs> when you go to use them, they're very bland. There's, there's just like painting with the color white. And other things have a lot of different color, and you can actually do a lot of things yeah, with it. Yeah, I always say so, mezcal comes to the surface on your palate at just the right point in a cocktail. It doesn't overpower it, unless somebody's just like making I never a say, drink. Man. You know, but it's very possible. That vodka drink you made me was just unbelievable. I'll never totally. forget it. <laughs> like, it really it's so, Right. I mean, it works. It takes you, it gets you from point A to point D, but there's there's no character to it. Where mezcal, you're right, it does it highlights the cocktail in all the right yeah, ways a lot right. of the time. You ever met people that say they can taste the difference in vodkas? And I'm not talking about cheap shit to good shit. Like they're like, well, I'm a vodka drinker. I could taste all the differences in vodkas. And I sit there and I'm like, what is that? A, like, because no, the real? point of vodka is to get to no Every, taste. Yeah. So is this is this like the same sulfite <laughs> argument like where everybody's wrong? Like there is no flavor in vodka. It's fucking nothing. I mean, technically, vodka by law is supposed to be odorless, colorless, and tasteless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I always thought. Right, that's the goal. So how can you taste the difference? I I, I, I have a guy who comes into my winery and he's all that all he drinks is vodkas and he's like I could taste the difference and I really. Wonder if we blind tasted him without him seeing the bottle label or anything and put all these different and throw a gin in there to really mess it up. <laughs> uh, so right. uh, some people mentally think they can taste things, even though I think they're just full of shit. I mean, some people say, oh, I can taste the sulfites in this wine. Or did you ever see Penn and Teller when they did the water bottle ones? They did. So Penn and Teller did uh, when they had their show, they took Dasani, Everclear, Everclear, uh, Evian, uh, every hundred different bottles of water. And they were pouring it for all these water psalms. And they're like, oh, yes, I can taste how this came off a glacier. And I could taste the spring. They're out back with a garden hose filling up every single bottle and resealing it and just sending it on in and pouring it in front of people. I love that so much. I'm like, that's, in my mind, I feel that's vodka drinkers. <laughs> but so, yeah, this talk, is... This, uh, I think this Edna, is drinking right. right. Honestly, yeah. so, let's talk, let's the, talk key, about the, the Chianti's Edna. good, but I really like the Zedna Rosso. I'm, I'm with you 100%. And especially as it's opened up. When we first had it, it was kind of muted, mm-hmm. but now just so much more flavors coming out. It's got the sexiness of a Pinot Noir, but it has the power of... A lot of tannin up front. Yeah. Yeah. It's the tannin's there from... I mean, that's the nice thing about having a lot of these Etna wines we keep trying is they can be really, really soft and real food friendly. Like really food friendly, and then the tannin hits you right there, but it's not, it's not over-dominating anything. Now, next month, we're going to do a whole entire Etna Rosso episode, so we're going to talk about the crews of Etna Rosso, the different areas. So 
This winery, one of their single vineyard crews, was number nine on the Wine Spectator Top 100 Wines of the World last year. This is the premier, one of the premier producers. In fact, I paired with them to do a uh, almost like a speed dating kind of thing with Protatory Barbaresco. So we took all these psalms, brought them into a restaurant, and we sat 10 of them at my table with all the Protatory crews, and then 10 of them sat at this table with all the crews of uh, Tenuta della de Terranere. And then we got up and we switched tables, and then we went through it, So we, and we had luncheons, and we did this at Tarbell's, and they paired food with it. Nice. So we went through all nine crews of Protatory and then all nine crews of them. They were a competition distributor from me. This, they weren't in my portfolio, but they were so good, I wanted to pair with them to do this luncheon, and it was killer. The wine's fantastic. I so, absolutely love this. So the grape is Norello Mascalese, which a lot of people don't even have never even heard of, but it's the grape of Mount Etna. Um, it's pretty much only grown in the northeastern portion of Sicily. Um, they don't, because there's a lot of Nero d'Avola, there's a lot of whites, Catarato. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. They just pretty much grow this on the side of the mountain. Yeah, you asked if I had had Sicilian wine before, so what are common grapes? The, the main one is Nero d'Avola. Okay. So Nero d'Avola is their, their primary one, and then they have a white grape called Catarato that they grow a lot of. They do grow some Pinot Grigio there. There is some... Uh, uh, Frappato is one of their other ones. Frappato is a very light wine. It's very similar to like a Pinot Noir. Okay. Uh, you eat a lot of fish in Sicily. So a lot of the reds tend to be a little lighter bodied because you're going to have them with fish still because they're also going to be using um, like eggplant, olive sauces like carbonara, carbonara, I think is what that sauce is. So you'll have like a piece of grilled fish with like a carbonara sauce on top of it, which is like tomatoes, eggplant, olives, all diced up. So it's a rich sauce, so you can still pair a red wine with it. So is that where anchovies on pizza started? Mm. Very could, well could be. Because I, always grew, logical, up, I right? always grew up with everybody saying, ew, anchovies on pizza, that's gross, you're disgusting. And I had it one day, and I went, wow, that's See, they're actually really good. It's mm. so gross to think about, but at the same time, it's really tasty. I, I mean, I love the so Spanish anchovies. Though. The Spanish white anchovies are one of my favorite things to eat in the world. Oh, so I there are literally... Is anchovy just mean like tiny fish or Little something? tiny bony fish. Yeah. But there's different... There's different anchovies. different types of them, yeah. yeah. I know the I Spanish just, white ones are the most expensive ones, and those are the ones. I mean, I could just eat those things left and right. But those are the ones you'll get on like um like a Caesar salad. Yeah, they'll have the, the usually the, the white anchovies. That's the only pizza that has fish on it, or like if people. I'm assuming there's some weird, crazy stuff out there. But like when you think of meat lovers, you think shrimp, pepperoni, uh, Canadian bacon, like all that stuff. But I shrimp on a pizza. Waiting for the day the Chula Seafood does a fish pizza, ah, ahi pizza, because those guys a pokey can put pizza. Right, pokey they're, pizza. They're doing, they're doing something right now that's like, you would never think would be a fish, a burger. Like, um, okay, wait, wait. Yeah, like a fish burger, like something like that. I like, these at, guys can make fish taste good in any form. I, love I, it. I worked at a restaurant that had a smoked. <laughs> I did work at a restaurant that had a smoked salmon pizza. What it was was they would cook the the dough and it would come out, and they put smoked salmon on the top of it with capers. And then they had a like a dill creme fraiche they'd spray over the that top. So it's literally a bagel. Yeah. So, so it was. We actually served <laughs> it, pizza a bagel. We served it on our brunch menu. <laughs> or a bagel of pizza. It was served on its brunch menu, but it was our smoked salmon pizza, and it was it sounds fan freaking tastic. Cream cheese capers, not, little like creme fraiche, not cream cheese. Creme fraiche. So, but yeah, it was like a dill creme fraiche yeah. capers, smoked salmon on like a warm, crispy pizza crust. Yeah, it sounds great. So it was awesome. That's funny if that's what makes pizza pizza just warming up some dough. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. what's a taco? So you're saying it's toast, you know? It's toast. Well, I mean, that's like all all foods are say. Like, if you have grilled cheese, well, in Mexico, it's just an enchilada. Or not an enchilada, cheese crisp, basically. Right. Quesadilla. Oh. Quesadilla. It is, right. 
Yeah. I mean, in the end, it's all the same thing. It's Isn't all it a taco, a pita sandwich? Just a pita, yeah. Well, which which we, is, we said, I mean, basically a, a wrap is nothing but a cold burrito. Correct. It's a cold burrito. Right. Yeah, everything's kind of roughly the The world same, is just... really upside down right now. <laughs> I think. And no, it's and, not. And yet, it's, and yet there's unlimited amounts of food that you can have. You could take some weird shit yeah, these days and yeah. make it artsy uh, and be like. So, you're, so you agree with me. It's flat then. It's just upside down at this point. It's possible. The earth is a it's pizza. Possible. <laughs> it's very possible. Hashtag I, earth is I mean, a pizza. Listen, you make a good case. I, we're in a food moment, right? Obviously, like the world is in this food moment. Do you think maybe we're in this food moment because we're all collectively just like fucking depressed eating? And I, we're just I, like, we're all going to die. I got we're a doomed. question. Like, I'm just is gonna that eat everything, drink everything. Is our food scene in America with how broken and crazy, broken up and how crazy it is and all the different things, is that an American thing because of all the people coming into this country? Or in like, they have these same insane food scenes around any other country. Like, does France have a yes. crazy Italian food scene I, and stuff like I that? I think it's happening everywhere. I think it's everywhere. I think but, it's not an American phenomenon. But the problem... I just, I, I just wonder that, because with how many different diversity we have here, and all the insane Because now food. there's food travel. Like, you saw the the taco thing on Netflix. I forget what it was called. Uh, they, Street Taco food? Chronicles. Oh. Dude, they did, Netflix they, has nothing but comedians and food stuff right now. <laughs> so Chef's Table, which is like the artfully yep. done, chef-driven show, right? It's so like chef's classical music, slow motions, very yeah. cinematic. They did Salt that. being Correct. one grain at right. a time. Totally. They did that with tacos, right? So they go around the world to the best taco places. And it's like what's driving these hot taco places is tourism. Somebody's going to... You know, but is like there Mexican travel. food in Asia? Like does Japan have Mexican food? Does China have Mexican food? I think it's only a matter of time. Because what would be American food? Burgers and barbecue? Burger. It's got to be barbecue. Burgers. The problem with America is we don't have food culture the way other countries have it. What I mean is we've, we're such a melting pot. And yeah, burgers are what is America. When Italians come here to visit us, they don't want to eat anything other than burgers because that's, that's, that's an American thing. But what I mean by we lack food culture is that everywhere in the world... People have grown up having regional dishes that were part of their region, whereas every regional dish that we have in America, pretty much, we've stolen from another region. You know, Creole food, New York food, Chicago food. It's all a, a muddled mess of everything combined together. That's what America is. But yeah. Italian food, which you're serving in, you know, when you're having horse sauce, when you're having the freaking horse bolognese. <laughs> two bolognese's. But that's, that's their history. I'm really glad that hasn't made its way th over. Th this by is... The way. <laughs> <laughs> this is thousands of years of history of them cooking it in this region, or the carpaccios, or the, you know, it's part of that town or that region. When you're in France, there's districts where crepes are huge. They have crepes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they have dinner crepes, you know? But that's still French food in its own way. Like America is, I can go eat Mexican, Greek, and Italian in the same day if I really wanted to, mm -hmm. and then hit 18, we can go to the Ethiopian place down the street, there's the Indian place, you can go get Burmese food. Right, like, so fast forward 100, 200 years, what's the American food burgers, that is taken Barbecue over? something. I think barbecue. Yeah, smoke, I don't know the or fried. Like is, fried is fried an American thing? Like, Fry, like KFC, I hope it's Italian Popeye. beef because I Pop love an Italian Popeyes beef. wins the war on everything with their chicken sandwich. <laughs> I think that's part of it. But we were talking with Yusef, and he's he went to London, and he's like, "Where should oh. I get some good London food?" And they're like, "Well, there's an Indian place right up the street." And he's like, "I don't want Indian. I want." <laughs> English Nobody food. wants English food. Yeah, and that's nobody's <laughs> ever went. That's Damn, that's the them. best bangers and mash I've ever had. <laughs> Nobody sat around having corned beef and cabbage. I and love me some potatoes. bangers and mash. <laughs> oh God, you know I'm. The only good thing that England ever gave to the world was America. <laughs>
<laughs> wow. That's coming from an Englishman. I'm, I'm an Englishman. Yeah. And some right. great music. And just he yeah, could, I was gonna salty say, comebacks. I was going to say bands. Comebacks. I don't know. You kind of went on bands. But you know, I, yeah. I, I grew up in a traditional Czechoslovakian family. My grandmother cooked tra- oh, traditional Czechoslovakian food. We cooked pierogies. We did a lot of braised pork dishes, a lot of cabbage dishes. There was my grandmother made pig's feet jello, stujanina. Um, Stujanina was literally boiling baby pig's hooves to make jello and made gelatin out of it, and she'd flavor it with fruit, and that was what we ate as kids. It looked to people today go, ooh, that's gross. Well, that's what jello is. Right. But it was homemade Czechoslovakian version of it. You and your horses, man. I know. Guy, no, I do like. loves a hoof. One thing I do like a lot is that how well wine pairs it's, with cultures of food that don't have any wine. Thing. Like, for instance, Thai food goes so well with Rieslings and Gewürztraminers, and there's no way they're ever going to have any of that grown in their country. But yet, it's just one of those perfect pairings. I mean, that's interesting, I, right? Yeah, like Taco Festival. What would what would have been Fre- the, Fre- uh, French fries and champagne? I mean, I guess French they are. I, well, I guess I guess they yellowtail are. Pinot Grigio. Mm. Well, I guess French fries. French fries are French. <laughs> they're, they're now Freedom Fries, Damien. Okay, so <laughs> aren't they Dutch? By the way, I don't. Or is even that just know. waffle fries? I don't know. I know. I know carrots are Dutch. Really? Did you know that? No. Yep. Well, because they colored them, that's why they're orange. Oh. Carrots aren't naturally orange. What color like are white they? and purple? purple. They're all different. They're all sorts of colors, right. but they, they bred orange into them to match the Dutch colors. God, mm. I knew I hated orange carrots. Oh, one less Fakes. reason. To, one less reason for eating carrots. Right. Damn. Freaky, That's why we go to the markets now. There's all these heirloom varieties that are white and they're purple with like white centers and different because those are like the traditional colors of them, the real colors, the heirloom colors. Huh. So, what other food festivals are going on? That you are uh, ready to rock and roll. Doing with. the donut festival the day after the pizza festival. The day after, okay. on the same site. So the thinking was the pizza vendors don't want to do a second day, right? Yeah. Uh, so what could I do that doesn't require a lot of cooking on site? Because if there's cooking on site, that's a lot of loading in morning of, right? It gets kind of crazy. So nobody's going to cook donuts on site. So you're thinking everybody just make donuts at their place and then bring them to the festival and have a donut fest and it sold out before the gates even opened. It's crazy. Uh, do you pair with like the, co- the coffee people too to do stuff? Like- a lot of coffee people. <laughs> yeah, mimosa, bu- mimosa bars did great. 600 know, extra like- police officers around. Right. <laughs> I feel like you should have some stout like beers too. Yeah. Like, ooh, yeah. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Because when I think coffee, I think stouts too. Well, think about it like a donut. Because I mean, how many different varieties of a donut? You have the donut ball, the donut itself. What is that technically? That's, well, that's a, a beignet. So that's a, no, that's a French cruller. French cruller. Yeah. So a French cruller is a type of donut. Uh, it's got those like ridges on the side. So you'll see them in donut shops. Only usually be one glazed version of a French cooler. Uh, it's filled with air and it's got this like crisp. It's delicious. It's so I brought them from this lady, the beignet babe. I think she doesn't know that her actual business is French coolers. She makes a hell of a beignet. Because they look like beignets, right? The, well, what is be- it? What is a beignet? Technically beignet, a French donut? Well, yeah, but it's like a Puffy. Like a pocket. Yeah, it's, it's puffy. And it's usually covered in powdered sugar. But these are kind of glazed with maple or chocolate or something, that, and it gets crispy. I, I know only a few things because my girlfriend watches the Great British Bake Off show on Netflix, <laughs> and they right. always like, make a beignet today. And you're just right. like, oh, God. Right. And they make the most crazy amounts of donut. I never realized there was a whole culture of donut eating. Yeah, you know what's weird? The donut is a judge. <laughs> the donut festival Instagram page is followed mostly by fitness fanatics. Really? It's I'm their guessing, guilty pleasure. I think it's their cheat day food because if you go on their accounts, there's oh. always pictures of them posing with donuts. They're like, "Look how ripped I am." 
and I'm eating donut. this donut. Because <laughs> it's an it's, I'm sure it's an empty carb that can burn kind of maybe pretty fast too. Would be my guess. I don't know. Eat a donut before you go work out. There you go. Right. Have some donuts and go do some yoga. Or in the they're park. just doing it for the gram and they don't even eat it. And just take the point. picture. Trash it, have know. you ever been to the place up in Portland? It's super famous. Voodoo. I have not. No. We got. We have a place here that's. A couple places don't we have that are like we have a lot of alien donut. We have a a serious donut scene here. Really? I mean, when you think about Bosa donuts, I was just gonna say there's a whole store. Yeah, there's nobody in this country has a Bosa donuts in terms of a place that is like 40 locations run by one guy. You know that makes donuts that good. Like, have you had the apple fritter? At Bosa? I, I'm not a donut person, Dude. but I feel like I might have to try. You got to try the I apple still don't understand I'll come, I'll come to the festival either way to try all these donuts. I still don't understand how he's not like 300 pounds. That's what I'm saying. He's, but yet... We can't make him the donut guy. He spread the tapeworm. He doesn't look like Michelin tire, dude. For right. the tapeworm. <laughs> I've had this tapeworm since I was in college. Man, I, he just I feed him on my he's way. Like, yeah. right. Good for you, Fred. Right. Totally. <laughs> My cholesterol is probably a mess. You know, my triglycerides <laughs> Pizza, are like... Pizza, french no, I think, fries, I think Fred keeps that in check, too. Right. Oh, yeah. that's so great. Uh, the guy who runs uh, the chicken coop. It's a, it's a food truck in town. Um, Frank Belosic, he's a, he's a chef who has a, yeah. a fried chicken food truck. He went to go get his like, yearly physical, and he's like, his doctor's like, your triglycerides are like 2,000. You should... You should have been dead like three years ago with that yeah. kind of, like, some, some crazy ass number. So now he's like in his truck just eating salad. He looks so pissed all the time. <laughs> imagine making such good food and knowing you can't eat it or I you'll know, die. I know, you're just frying this chicken all day and you can't touch it. So can, oh. you, can you comment what you think is the best donut place in town? Or are you trying to be Switzerland in this? It's, or what, is it, or yeah, what does it I, rhyme with? I can't, I can't name a favorite because I'm in the business. Right? How many syllables but, is it? <laughs> what does here's, it rhyme here's, with? here's what I can tell you. Go ahead. Mouth it to us. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate that Bosa does not upcharge for an apple fritter when you are putting together a dozen. Most places, that's a 50 cent or $1 upcharge because you're, you're, you're adding like two glazed, three sprinkled, you know, whatever. And then you add the apple fritter. That's a, fa- that's a quote unquote fancy. Yeah. So then that's an extra buck, not a Bosa. I like that. Well, remember when Krispy Kreme came out here and there was like a five-year period where people lost their mind and had to have every Krispy Kreme donut, and now there's only one left, I think, down by AZ Mills? Yeah, two. But it's a solid And gla- one's in a mall, probably. It's a great glazed donut. That's it, it though? Because they came out hot. That was the whole thing about it, that people loved the fact you got them and they were warm. Like, you waited in line just to get those warm donuts. Right. Meanwhile, they were probably terrible cold. <laughs> no? I don't know. I'm not a donut person. Was just, it, was yeah, it, you know, the, most donuts disintegrate pretty fast. Like like this pizza that I brought, like it's a New York slice. That could still be on your counter two days from now, and I'd still eat that. But a donut can you do that tomorrow with, morning. Uh, not, is that all donuts? There's like specific styles? Uh, I don't have the science behind yeah. that, but what, my, what? my guess is that it's most donuts don't hold up. Is donut American? Made like I mean like the the idea of a donut started in America or was it like made in Belgium or France or somewhere and then we kind of I just think it has to do with something style? in Europe. I mean a lot of that whole fried thing. I mean even the Mexicans did the fry breads. I thought, you know, I thought fried it was Indian fried bread, right? Yeah. I just and wonder it, where like donuts and a churro like, is like probably in the family. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of you know what I mean? Dude, churros from Disneyland <laughs> were the shit. <laughs> Those were so fantastic growing up. I'm, I'm still blown away. I don't have diabetes or weigh 400 pounds with the amount of crap I ate as a kid. Maybe have a, a tapeworm. You should name them. Right. <laughs> it is kind of crazy. So uh, 
Pizza, like, uh, yeah, tapeworms uh, to all uh, people out there will stop you from getting fat. <laughs> right. So pizza and donut fest are in November, and then I used to have taco fest in October. So it was right about this time of year that I'm eating nothing but tacos, pizza, and donut. So I highly <laughs> donuts. So I highly recommend to people to get a tapeworm because if you're going to get into the food festival throwing business, can you order one online? You get it on Amazon. Just no, get just it. go eat. Just go eat some food in uh, some <laughs> shitty part of the city. Yeah. <laughs> So they're free. They're so quick. <laughs> Amazon. They let they live, I think they live forever, by the way. <laughs> so what else is there? So we have obviously the old taco fest you used to, but you have the pizza, the French fry, the donut. Do you have any like I have French fry greens yeah. for uh like uh I don't know, I would say a salad festival, but that would be just not doing so it. Not pretentious doing and douchey. One. Not doing it. What other what other food group would There's there be a, to do? Hot dog? Talked about a hot dog fest. We'll see. See, yeah, it should be like bratwurst. There's a lot like of that. different, like sausage and bratwurst, and like a meat festival. Oh, that's not something you want to throw as a meat festival. Like a get out of hand and illegal, real quick. Gonna litmus litmus meat, test something with you. But meatballs, meatball yeah, festival. I've, I've th- yeah, Jan Diatri's talked to me about a meatball festival. Yeah, you can give out the award for the best balls right. in town. <laughs> the biggest just, just balls, two, the smallest it's, balls. It's, it's two hands holding up two <laughs> balls as the trophy. <laughs> Best balls uh, of Phoenix, four-time winner. Yes. <laughs> you get the biggest balls, you get the tiniest balls. Yeah. Oh, sauciest so much balls, could, so sauciest much driest balls. I will never not sauce my balls. Densest balls. I learned my lesson. Like the, the first place trophy is both balls up. The second place has one ball a little bit lower <laughs> than the other. <laughs> I love that. Dude, uh, I'm loving, uh, I, I love the idea of a meat, or like some type of meat-based one, like the, a hot dog, bratwurst, meatball one. Like, I know it's too... because you're, uh, you're not a vegan, that's why. No, right. Yeah. right. I mean, I've never heard of a tofu festival. I know they exist somewhere. Not going to that. But I'm not about to have that. Slider fest I'd go to Ooh, in a heartbeat. Slider you, you need to make it easy, and it's got to be hand food. Like, it's got to be yeah, something Yeah, so that's... I've been talking about a sandwich fest. Like a little... Yeah, well, isn't that be kind of a slider fest? Kind of. Similar, but now you're talking lobster rolls and deli sandwiches. That lobster truck is so good. Cousins? Dude. Is it Cousins? Dude, it's expensive. But the main, main lobster lady? Main lobster lady. That's oh, there's it. main lobster lady and then there's Cousins. Cousins yeah. actually was from Shark Tank and their yeah, fran- and 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 franchises. Dude, they're so good. Yeah, I mean, there's, I guess, a, a lot you could do with it. I like the French Fry Festival. I'm excited for that one so, when uh, April comes around. I sometimes consult at the Street Eats Food Truck Fest, which is out at Salt River Fields, and Main Lobster Lady. You can go to this lady's truck like whenever, but there's like this, this like tradition for people to wait outside the gate before the gates open at Street Eats. And then once they do, they all run to the main lobster lady because her line queues up. And then oh, yeah. she's got a line like an hour and a half long at the festival. It's she, so funny. And people will like, does she sell out though too? Or does she have enough? She's usually. got so she's hidden, got hidden gems. Yeah. Hidden gem. She goes to the uh, Arizona, or the, excuse me, the Tempe Art Festival. And she's back down an alley that nobody fucking goes down I to. I love they, that. They stuff three, three trucks in this one little spot, and it is in between the mill garage. And that's all I'm gonna say. I'm just saying they're there, and they're right by our our tent that we put out. And every time she comes rolling in, and there's no line ever, and it's fantastic. <laughs> if we, uh, we'll have to try and get her for some random wine shop someday. I will. Yeah, yeah. You know, pull up on the side. You know, maybe have some a little bit. Maybe if there's like parking for her, we yeah. It could work. Right, she's gonna have like a five thousand dollar minimum. It's fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, most of these twenty two dollars sandwich. Yeah, no worth joke. every penny. Hundred percent. Because it's all claw. It's she's claw and knuckle meat. There's no tail meat in really? the lobster roll. I'm pretty sure. At least I don't I didn't tar- realize that was a difference. Of tarbell is all uh, 
Claw and knuckle. That's the that's the best meat for a lobster roll. This Chianti's fantastic, by the way. I never had it before, but so going back to wine real quick. One thing we always talk about is importers and how important importers are. If you don't know what you're getting, if you want a French wine, go to the store and buy wines from Kermit Lynch. They're the best French importer out there. If or also I like Skernick. When it comes to white wines from France or Germany or Austria, a lot of times Skernick is one of the top producers. Skernick brings in all the grower mm-hmm. champagne. They're the Mousset. Mm-hmm. They bring in the Brundelmeier. They bring the Donhoff. That's all them. So I find it really funny that they did something with this bottle. They actually have it on the front. Yeah, the which I've never thing. seen this. So by law, you always have to have the uh, importer on the back label. Uh, you rarely ever see it, but it's becoming a trend. With Kermit Lynch, as people are saying, this is one of the top quality importers. And this if you don't know what you're yeah. buying, yeah, buy Kermit Lynch or Vias. When I worked for Vias, I used to always tell people, just find the Vias logo. If the Vias logo is on the back of an Italian wine, you're guaranteed it's going to be good. They don't have a bad wine in the book. So if you're looking for a Chianti, you're looking for a Barolo, you're looking for something from Sicily, and you're, you're looking at a bunch of shit, you don't even know what the hell it is, buy Vias. French? I go to Kermit Lynch, but I find it really funny that they actually put Kermit Lynch on the front of this as a promotional thing. Some people are putting scores on the front of their labels, 92 points enthusiast, 96 points this. I don't like that. I think it's really funny they mm-hmm. did this because they obviously know the trend. They must have been listening to our podcast. <laughs> and Back in 2013. <laughs> right. But they're, they're using this as a selling point to say, yeah. we're, we are Kermit Lynch. We bring in the best stuff. Um, I'd never had this producer before. I don't know much about this producer, so I can't really comment on where it comes from, besides the fact that it is Chianti Classico. Uh, but I, Chianti and pizza is perfect. Right. I don't think I've ever had a Chianti. Even cheap wicker basket Chianti <laughs> right. is damn good with pizza. Right. It's, it's, it's smart for Kermit Lynch to do this, because like there's, for instance, if I go to Phoenix Wine Co., I don't have to think about what I'm buying. Just whatever I pull off the shelf, I know that they've selected something that I'm going to be down with. Yeah, absolutely. My palate is just somehow aligned with whatever they're picking. So it's a similar thing with Kermit Lynch, right? Yep. Like they're sort of, they're the qualifier for me if I like that type of thing. Maybe that's something that would be great for food festivals later down is to do like specific pairings of these foods go with our, the or the wines go with the food that we're having. You're doing a French fry festival. Well, we're just bringing in nothing but champagne and high acid whites. Like that's it because that is what's best for this festival kind of a thing. Or pilsners maybe. Donut festival, porters, coffee, stouts, things like that that would go with it. There was, Instead of having like a Yeah, but there's always going to be somebody donut. who wants to make a low ultra and I got to get that guy. Well, yeah, you're, you're true. <laughs> you always have the one Bud Light that's hanging out there. <laughs> I forget where. I think I did this event. I think it was up at True North or something. It was kind of along the lines of like a little mini devoured in a way. They had multiple restaurants set up in like a courtyard and they actually paired the wineries with a table of the food. And they gave us a list that, okay, what wines do you have? These are the five restaurants. Which restaurant do you think your wines are going to work best with? And they put us with that restaurant, which I guess, because devoured, it's just a madhouse. You're just pounding wine and right. chugging food and, or the other way around. I think in they a festival, yeah. <laughs> right. in a festival scenario, it's, it's tough to pull that off. It is. I should say it's tough for the consumer to actually stop and like, get their bite and, and walk over to the wine, which might have a line. And now they want to eat. There's like 
there's too many variables to make that. I, could, I guess happen. I could see that. You're right. Especially if you're like, well, I got to eat and drink with this. Then you walk to the next table and you still have your drink and you're like, well, shit, I got to move to the next one. And you can't right, carry yeah. your little plate. You can't drink your wine. Exit, yeah. And they might want to stop and then ask me about the wine. And the person behind them is like, move along, move yeah. along. I got to. <laughs> you're right. So it could be very difficult. Logistic. More food driven. Just here's the food. Here's like our, our selection of beer for you. Do you have that with the? Is the Donut Festival going to have drinks there? Or is this strictly just food? Yeah, drinks? no, there's drinks. There's, there's drinks at every festival. <laughs> Got to be. <laughs> yeah. I start with the drinks. Start with the drink. Make sure you get those vendors first. <laughs> yeah, right. What uh, are? Does the Pizza Festival and the Donut Festival run the same time? Or are you doing the Donut Festival in the morning? Yeah, so Donut Fest was eleven to three last year, so it cut out two hours earlier than Pizza Fest. Everybody I sold thirty five hundred tickets. Everybody was there at eleven, and everybody was gone by twelve thirty. Because they ate all their donuts and then they crashed. Oh God! Yes. Oh, that's sugar a crash. Hard sugar the, crash. Yeah, the event was crickets, and it. I normally don't book like a a, a bigger band, and I booked Jared in the Mill to close out that Oof. festival, and I was so excited because to finally book Jared in the Mill, that was cool, and nobody was really there. So you gotta <laughs> like reverse that, like, hey, yeah. you're opening, which sounds weird, yeah. and then the the new local whatever band gets the end of the exactly. day. Exactly. So I'll, we're opening an hour early, at, earlier at 10 a.m., and we're selling a late ticket for cheaper. Oh, okay. So that first ticket will sell out, and then you can come in at noon for two bucks cheaper. Do you have people run out Smart. of foods and stuff? No, I mean donuts. They bring a lot. Like, you could think of how you can make so many donuts. Yeah. And they're all made ahead of time. So I guess technically they could run out, but I asked the vendors how much they have. And it's assuming people eat like three to four donuts at the festival, right? I would, I thought going into last year, people would eat six donuts. They ate an average of two or three. I was really disappointed in that's Phoenix. That's a lot of sugar. I mean, that's... Two to three donuts? Come on, Phoenix. Dude, we're These not... These French coolers that I brought, we're I, not in I could Texas three of or the South. I bought six French coolers today. Do you know how many I brought in? Three. three. <laughs> that tells you something. Car ride over was only two minutes. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm so disappointed in this town sometimes. <laughs> you can do better. You can eat more. What if What if you just got a complimentary tapeworm with your ticket? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like a little packet and you just swallow it? Totally. Like a little test tube or something? It's just... That sounds awesome. <laughs> Dave DiLorenzo, my insurance guy, I got to talk to him about that. Uh, me too. Yeah. Or us too, maybe, yeah. at some point in time. <laughs> we invent something on every show. Oh, I don't think we invented the, the tapeworm. tapeworm insurance. <laughs> the tapeworm insurance. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just a cheap, it's, it's a perfect fat diet. Why have Atkins? Why do keto? Why do intermittent fasting when you could have a tapeworm do all the work for yeah, you? Just eat Listen, what that's you a want. perfect commercial. It's just an add on to the ticket. It's $10 for the ticket. It's $12 if you want the tapeworm with it. Yeah, we'll throw in a t shirt. <laughs> you know? Hey, welcome. Enjoy Fred. He'll live in you right. for the rest of your life. He'll take care of you. <laughs> right. right. There's a, a diagram of a donut with like a little tapeworm going in and out of it. No, for the, for the French fries, it looks like a curly fry, but it's just a tapeworm. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's <laughs> so funny. Oh, hey, we didn't yeah. bring it back to the bathroom, so you know. Yeah, right. that might be it. <laughs> uh, what food festival or what food do you guys think needs a festival? I mean, I really like the idea of the sandwiches and sliders. I mean, I could eat tons and tons of sliders. I mean, that's just something mm -hmm. all day long. I mean, White Castle all day long. I mean, you right. grew up back they're there. Coming, they're opening soon. Yeah, like a couple weeks, right? I thought it was already open. No. Medieval, there's the Medieval Times next door too, but I don't know, festival-wise, I think, I mean, you nailed the big ones, 
sandwiches are probably the best one next. Like the little individual little things you can get because you could have so much fun with those. Right. I mean, you could have endless amounts of people bringing in things. I think about stuff that's at fairs, stuff that's on a stick, something you can eat. A stick festival. Right. But I mean, something that, <laughs> dude, they got French onion soup on a stick that they serve at the freaking, uh, look at the look he just gave me. At the Wisconsin Fair, it's the number one item at the Wisconsin Fair is French onion soup on a stick. Oh, I figured it would just be butter, but... <laughs> right. I thought it was, too. That's why I Googled it. It's it, certain death. That's what they, that's what they I, call it. I was guaranteeing that number one, two, and three for the most sold items at the Wisconsin Food Festival was to be like fried butter, fried butter, and fried butter. <laughs> deep fried Oreos well, deep fried Twinkies stuff like that and they're right. like no it's French onion soup on a stick it's like their most famous thing right I think you should do a what the fuck festival WTF okay you, you make whatever you want but it can't be it can't be like a sandwich it's gotta be so weird and out of left field that it's just you sit there and go what the fuck and then when you eat it you go oh that's really amazing what the fuck huh WTF festival right. yeah and I yeah it's a good idea it's an idea. It's just an idea. It's one of those many things that you'll do something about. It's an idea. Yeah, it's an idea. It's an idea. Well, I can't wait for a specific Mezcal festival to be happening in my stomach at one point. Right. <laughs> right. That'd I be did, awesome. Yeah, I did a tequila, like a, it's more of an event than a festival a few years oh, ago. Oh, we went. Taste Tequila. You, you, you gave us Taste a, Tequila. You gave us, a, you gave us tickets. Yeah, right on. At, uh, what's oh. that place called? The venue of Scottsdale. Yeah, because they had the people hanging and swinging. And, yeah, God, right. Was that was a fun little night, right? Like, oh, it was for some people. I was I was hammered in the first, like, four tables. My man. Yeah. <laughs> you were having a bad day that day. I was day. having a bad day. That was, was a terrible like, day. I was like, hey, I got an extra ticket to this. Why don't you go? Oh, it's fantastic. I miss that place being what it is. Well, do you guys have uh, anything no, else you want to add? You want to wrap this up? Yeah, sounds good. No, the Heck wines yeah. were great. I, uh, yeah, is there a bathroom attendant here at the uh, at the? Studio? You can just go ahead and leave a five on the I'll counter. S- <laughs> I'll sit in there if you want and hang out with you. <laughs> right. I need some. I need some cologne, yeah. some gum before I go. I d- gum I do, festival. I do have some cool water in Fahrenheit back there. <laughs> there's there's multi balls bar, balls bars of soap. <laughs> That's awesome. so All right. Cool. Well, I really look forward to the festivals. Uh, wish you a ton of success. Yeah, November 16th for pizza and November 17th for the donut. That's right. Find it at phoenix.pizza, That's which crazy. is fantastic That's awesome. website. Yeah, right. This has been really fun. Yeah, yeah we'll do you it again. A good time. Awesome. Yeah. David Tata, everybody. Thank you so much the, for listening. The man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> Come on. Excellent. <laughs> See you. Bye, awesome. guys. Cheers. Love you.